what really gets my dick hard is What? It's cool to be here as a fan. Fan of Metallica, your boys right there. This is its own army. Metallica has their own army. People don't just say Metallica. You know when you ask about a band, like, dude, who's your favorite band? You never say Metallica. Metallica! Who do you like? Metallica! You're James Hetfield, one of the greatest lead men of all time, a front man of all time. He didn't even have to sing. He just came out and said, yeah. Yeah! 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 Ooh. Welcome to Middle Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 61, and we're talking about something that uh, in a few months is going to turn 15 years old, which is MTV icon Metallica. Can you believe it's that old? <sighs> I don't want to believe it. Because I remember watching that. I do too. Thinking like, dude, this is so bitching. We get to see Rob Trujillo for the first time on stage with Metallica. All these other we get artists. To see Avril Lavigne. Tr- Avril Lavigne. Get to see fucking, uh, what's his name from Stained? Aaron, Aaron Lewis. Aaron Lewis, yeah. The real surprise going back over this, I was like, oh, the guy from fucking Puddle of Mud. The real surprise for me was Lisa Marie Presley. There's a lot of really strange Some shit. randos in there, like... In some ways, it's kind of a snapshot of the time. It is. And I get that at the time they were trying to, you know, be relevant to maybe what the audience was wanting. You know, you had, um, who was it? Uh, what's her name? Uh, not Vanessa Carlton, the other one. <laughs> I, I Michelle Branch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she came out and, and did something too. So it, I get it that it's like uh, they're catering to the MTV audience to, hey, here's the artists that are relevant right now. Um, you know what's amazing to see is of all the bands feature that night the most popular bands of the time Metallica is still one of the only ones standing Stained Linkin uh, Park is Stained together I have Puddle no idea M- no I'm saying they're not together they're not well, I don't, I, I don't well, know, I know Aaron Lewis has like a country career oh that's right he's yeah. a country guy now does he live here yes oh god I know some friends who've done who play in his band really yeah okay well we can't we'll talk, talk about sh- that we can't talk shit then <laughs> alright before before we launch into this so we're talking about MTV Icon we're gonna obviously dive way deep into it and uh for better or worse by the way yes <laughs> if you don't know who we are uh we're an all Metallica podcast if you don't know who we are why are you listening I always think about that like why do yeah. I say that well I mean you, okay, if you if you're a first time listener on this episode, you're like, oh shit, it's not an Iron Maiden podcast. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I thought this was a stained podcast. <laughs> what the fuck? I looked up Aaron Lewis on the phone, and it brought me here to these two knuckleheads. <laughs> well, welcome. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> We're a Metallica podcast. Ethan and I are two touring musicians, and uh, we somehow in our insane schedules make time every week to talk about our favorite metal band, Metallica. I'm surprised it's still happening after 61 episodes. We're still here, man. Still kicking. We're going strong. Yeah, yeah. And we've had a good long run at HQ1 here. Like we have, we both of us have not been on the road for a little bit, little bit of time. Yeah. Here, so. For those of you who don't know, sort of the touring session season from late November through really all of January, it's just a really slow time for for music yeah. for the music industry. Yeah. Most of last year was us doing remote episodes where I would be in like Poland and right. Clint would be in Utah or something. Yep. 
and it works. And we're thankful that the technology exists, that we can make it happen and get you guys episodes every week. But yeah, if you're a first time listener, I guess we don't need to explain who we are because you came here for a reason. And so. we're fucking famous. I mean, well, I mean, gosh, maybe read page six of <laughs> the New York Times if you want to know who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's in the bottom right hand corner, but it's there. Yeah. It's <laughs> anyway, not actually. Don't we, go look. We do. We cover band members and albums and uh, the minutia of gear. And we talk about current events and news. We kind of cover everything you would want to talk about with Metallica. Exactly. We're your weekly Metallica buds that you would re- like to sit at a bar with, except we're, we're on your phone. Yeah, or your computer or wherever. We're in your car right now. It's that simple and that insane. Yes, welcome. We've got some housekeeping shit to get out of the way. Let's just get out of the way. Let's do it. Okay, we got the iTunes contest. All you got to do is go leave us a positive review at iTunes. The way you do that is you go to iTunes. We have some listeners. We actually have a lot of listeners who don't use iTunes, though. Yeah, which is fine. Um, But if you use iTunes, just go look us up. Leave the positive review. We see that. We put your name into a queue. Every month we draw five names and we give out prizes. Yes. Anything from as simple as um, uh, a, uh, a... A Metallica uh, hockey puck. A, a hockey puck or shot glasses or pint glasses or flags a or blankets. Ball. The Metallica beach ball. All the way up to the Ride the Lightning or the Master Pubis Deluxe box sets. Some of those valued at 200 bucks. These are box sets that Ethan and I don't even own ourselves. Right. And it's that simple. Go leave the review. This month for February, though... What we are doing is we're giving out 10, there will be 10 winners for the month of February. Yes, 10. And we are giving out 10 free downloads of our new EP, Cover Our World Black in Volume 1. That's right. In which Ethan and I covered and reimagined Metallica songs. Yes, we will. We, yeah, we will be giving that away. Now, if you're uh, if you're a patron of the show, obviously you've gotten that EP. So this contest is kind of more non-patron uh, yeah. exclusive. If a patron happens to win it, uh, they'll be cool with it. We'll figure it out. We'll give them <laughs> they something. They can download it again. Speaking of patrons, if we just have been mentioning that and you have no idea what that is, Patreon is this sort of cool thing that started a few years ago for content creators. Did you know that that's what we are? We're content creators. Oh, yeah. No, no. We, we create content. We've got at least 100 hours of content we on the, the web. Math, we do have that. Yeah. It's a way for fans uh, to donate to the show, to help the show grow in quality and content. You can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. We have all sorts of incentives for what you give. If you give a dollar, you get uh, a shout out on the show. You get uh, you get our new Lunar Satan track, which we're going to talk about. I don't in a say second. our. This is all you. Well, it's true, but it's under the Melody Podcast banner. It is. Yes, we're like a record label now. Yeah, it's under our umbrella. Um, if you pledge five dollars or more, you get access to the cover of our Black and DP, which you can only get through Patreon. It's completely Patreon exclusive. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you get you get priority emails read. You get access to limited edition merch, all that stuff. So it's patreon.com. I won't talk about that too much. We did get some new patrons this week. Uh, the first one I, I, is, I, I'm just going to fail at saying it. Okay. Nico Lapellanum. <laughs> Lapel something? L-A-P-P-A-L-A-I-N-E-N. I was so hoping you were going to say Nico, Nico McBrain from Iron Maiden. Nico he, McBrain? That's the drummer, yeah. I was hoping he'd be a patron, but... Well, he's not on the ride yet. It's fine. We were texting earlier. I'll see. I'll see if he's. God, he's tell Nico to come over and hang. Uh, Kyle Serafini, Ryan Ender lead, increase his pledge from one dollar to five dollars. Thanks, and Ryan. We did get one just as I was coming over here. I'm having to look at my phone. Uh, Joey Fallout. Joey Fallout. Yeah. What a great last name. If that's your real last name. If that's your real identity. That would be a bitchin' last name. My last name is Fallout. The um, one of the co-hosts of my favorite Kiss podcast, Podcast Rock City, is my friend Jody Have Not, 
and he had his name legally changed to Have Not because he started a band called the Have Nots. Really? Which I thought was a pretty bitchin' story. That's cool. Were they a punk rock band? They were a punk rock it's, band. I imagine it's kind of like similar in the, the vein of the Ramones. Johnny Ramone, Dee Dee Ramone, right. that whole thing? Yeah, similar. So all the guys in the band were probably Joey Have Not. Scooter, I, Scooter have not. I haven't heard any of his music, but I know that he's aware of the music you've made. So he was kind of aware of really the, the okay. punk rock shit. Cool. You, you That's come, awesome. You come from all that. You know what all that is. I know what all of it is. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> I've heard of Green Day. I've heard of some Forty One. I like Blink One Eighty Two. I play it loud sometimes when my when my parents go to sleep. I, what I do is I I turn it up real loud, and but it's in my headphones, so no one can hear it. But it sounds loud to me. Oh, it's really loud. I really like Good Charlotte. Oh, Good Charlotte's a bet Pete Holmes. More like the best Charlotte. He married Ashley Simpson one time. <laughs> I got a pimple. Uh, I got a pimple on my butt, Dad. Anyway, uh, let's talk about some news. So, yeah, well, by the way, thanks to the pa- new patrons oh, this yeah, week. thanks, that, patrons. That, it's amazing that you guys are supporting the show financially. We can't thank you enough. And, uh, ho- yep, thanks for being on the ride and helping us out and hope you're enjoying the songs. Man, you dudes make this show, everything we've been able to do that's above and beyond what other podcasts might be able to do is only possible through that level of support. Right, yeah. So we very much appreciate it. And we try to give little gifts and treats to our patrons all the time. Uh, since we last gathered to talk about Metallica, the boys have played two shows. Yep. They played on the fifth, their second night, Madrid. The rotating songs, we're not going to do the whole set list because they're mostly the same. Right. Rotating songs of interest, Harvester of Sorrow, mm. Fade to Black instead of Sanitarium. Yeah, we talked about why wasn't it there. It's there now. It's there now. Uh, Dream No More instead of Confusion, Last Caress for the cover. Awesome. And of course, the Mighty Blackened and the Thrash slot. Yep. On the seventh, they played Barcelona. Barcelona? <laughs> Speaking of that, James Hetfield back on Instagram. Oh my God! We have, how do we not? Okay. Why wasn't this the first thing? You know what? Well, it's the second thing. You know what? Let's start over. Welcome to Love Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck, <laughs> and I'm James Hetfield. <laughs> Say your normal line. I'm Clint Wells. James Hetfield's back on Instagram. He's back on Instagram. That's what, how we should have started the show. His last post, July 2013. Okay, so you and I were texting about this the other night, and I thought it'd been like maybe three years. Yeah, five. Five years. Yeah. It was. It was shortly after the Orion Festival because okay. if you go back in his feed, like there's photos from that time right well um, it's like him with the guy from ghost and yeah there's a photo of him and the guys from rocket from the crypt right um kind of the last one i remember was a photo of him and chris christopherson who mm. didn't play at the orion festival yeah. wow. surprisingly um yeah he's going on right after ghosts yeah <laughs> it's like uh ghost chris christopherson dayhan right um but yeah no I, I thought it was really cool like all of a sudden hetfield posts a picture and it's like hello again you know, it. I thought it was cool, and I was excited as all of our listeners are. Sure, but also I also felt worried for him. As strange as that is to say, because um, I know that. So the rumor is, according on the forums and the, 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 the various mumblings amongst Metallica fans, is that um, a, a sort of stalkerish fan on Instagram sort of blurred the lines, blurred the boundaries. Oh. And made okay. shit kind of weird. Talked about wanting to have his babies and made him uncomfortable enough to leave. And then okay. he wrote sort of a parting note that was something like, I'm I'm giving too much time to this. I need to focus on my family. Which I get. Well, he's talking about really just sort of 
cultural illness, this obsession with the phone, this obsession is what we, with screens. This is what we want to do every day. Right. Every day I look at social media, I'm like, why am I doing this? I know. it's Well, it's a, it, I do consider it an illness. I, I, I'm sick with it, with you all, but um, it is an illness. It makes us all more unhappy. Yeah. It makes us feel bad about ourselves. Discon- I would enc- disconnected. I would encourage everyone to scale back on it if you can. My wife and I have made very intentional efforts to scale back, and I will say my happiness levels have risen. Oh, yeah. I've scaled back so much that like three days go by and I have to catch up on <laughs> the Metal Up Your Podcast socials. I'm like, oh, See, shit. Now, now I have to put you in the corner for that. We got to stay on that. We have to stay on that. That, that That's that's kind of, it's a tough balance. You but know, it feels different to me because it feels like, um, well, maybe it's not all that different. Maybe I'm a fuck goddamn hypocrite. I don't know. I mean, it's still something you're staring at and you're trying to keep up with. And that's it, true. I don't know. I, it, and in that sense, it did worry me for him of like, I know he's an addict. Addicts are always addicts. And I, and he did even say, he was like, hey, I'm not going to do this when I'm at home. I'm only going to do it when I'm on the road. Right. I'm not going to respond to posts. I w- I'm not going to be responding. So it sounds like he's created some boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Whatever is, I mean, I don't mean to like put a cloud over it. I'm super stoked. I love seeing his dad humor. I love seeing what they're up to. I love seeing him in a straw cowboy hat in yeah, Barcelona. I know. He's been yeah. wearing that a lot lately. Yeah. That's cool. Whatever. I think he likes it. You know he what? likes it. If Hetfield likes it, I like it. All right, so he's back on, on Instagram. If you're not on Instagram and you're a Metallica fan, I, despite everything we said about scaling back, <laughs> get it, on Instagram. It is worth it be, to see into his world because uh, he's a pretty funny dude and pretty personable. And yeah. Well, I mean, not only that, through. but I mean, just you know, the Metallica account. I mean, they they post so much content. They're pretty good with that. Yeah, they're great. I mean, I mean, obviously they've got somebody that is in charge of their social media. I mean, uh, you know, because you've got clips of them playing live every night. But yeah, I mean, on their normal Instagram page, on their Instagram stories, they've got so many things you can look at and and feel like you're a part of the tour that you're traveling along with them. You could see clips of songs every night, what they're doing backstage, meet and greets, all that stuff. Which is cool because I, now that they're over in Europe, they've actually been in Europe for a while touring, and um, I feel like I didn't go to enough shows this summer. I, I'm like, I'm feeling really like I should have seen more shows. I feel left out. Not left out as much as like. It's just we think they might be touring again North America next year. This year, I mean, yeah, um, I've heard I've heard fall in the U.S. again. Okay, cool. Yeah. But you know, when they're done with that, they may you know they might not tour again for a long time. Another record. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so in Barcelona, the the uh, rotating slots through the Never, which we also talked about them not. Playing. We did, yeah. Through the Never, uh, Sanitarium is back. They did Confusion instead of Dream. Bread fan for the mm. cover. It's like the boys listen to the podcast and they're like, oh shit, Clint and Ethan are bummed. Let's put Fade to Black back in. Let's do Sanitarium. For the Creeping Death fuel slot, they did Memory Remains. Awesome. And then for the Thrash slot, they're doing Spit again. Patient. Solid. Oh yeah, so well, you solid. You know what? Let's give it up. Let's give it up for them. Yeah, for Metallica. Hey guys, thank you so much. You guys are doing a good job back there. Yeah. Man. Great. A, you know, A plus job on the tour so far. Now for a next bit of news... <laughs> I wanted to do a segment. I'm I'm feeling kind of skittish about it now, but don't feel skittish. Go go for it. We had another we had another Dave Mustaine day. Dave Mustaine sort of he was he was very active on Twitter. He's always active on Twitter, but he he was active in the Metallica world on Twitter today. He was talking some shit. Oh, but I wanted to do a bit where Dave Mustaine reads Dave Mustaine tweets. I think we should. Should we? You know, I think Dave actually might be sitting in my backyard right now. Should I go get him? Yeah, go get Dave. All right, one second. I'll be right back. He's out there somewhere. Hello, me. Meet the real me. I'm Dave Mustaine, and this is Dave Mustaine reads Dave Mustaine's tweets. 
Hello, Ethan. Dave, gosh, you came well, inside I so fast. Looking, I was looking at my Twitter feed and thought I should read you some highlights from my my rants and raves today. Okay. Um, I mean, what went down today? I mean, was something bothering you, or are you just looking through Twitter like normal? Or? Well, something bothering me. Try everything. <laughs> wow, everything. Jeez. Okay. Well, continue. Yeah, despite continue. the fact that I'm a Grammy award-winning metal artist who sold 20 million records, I just can't get this Metallica-sized chip off my shoulder. Wow. It, it's it's still there, huh? After all these years. Well, I just woke up and I had a fruit smoothie and I looked at my phone and Bud Caldwell said, "Why can't people just forget the whole Metallica BS?" For me, it's getting really old. And I said, if I went a day without some puke coming in here and starting stuff, I don't know what I'd do. It's cool. Sharpens my claws. Wow. Sharpens your claws, huh? Some butthole named Danil Goroy wrote, You're still offended by Metallica? It's noticeable. Hard to forget. And I said, nope, I think the fans deserve the truth. And the little sheep that print lies and perpetrate spreading fallacies can't censor what I say here. If you haven't noticed, I prefer talking to nice people. If you come here and are a dick, prepare to get it right back in your face. Nice story. <laughs> I'll tell it to the Reader's Digest sometime. So was that about it? Or do you have were there other people talking to you? I'm telling no, unfortunately, Twitter? then I have a few more here. Really? Right? This is this is this is uh, crazy stuff that's happening to you today. Julian Dave. Chambers said, "How do you think the first two Metallica records would have turned out if I weren't writing for it, them?" And I said, "Well, beats me." <laughs> Hang on a second. That was his response. Beats me. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, so Dave, uh, you got some more? Yeah, Stevo says so. No big four. Is that because they're upset over the No Life to Leather stuff? And I said, who knows? I ain't giving my songwriting credit to Lars for songs I wrote in Panic. <laughs> wow. Crazy. Vaselina Millianola says, Dave, why don't Metallica want to do it? Because of the tour? I said, ask them. All kidding aside, all I know is when Slayer finally retires, the big four is over. <laughs> my gosh, Dave. Here's the last one, because I'm getting I'm getting kind of sleepy. I figured that or your throat's getting sore. <laughs> Bowhunter Bowhunter says Metallica big timed it in Indio by not sharing the giant center stage jumbotron. Cheated the fans. I left before Talica's set was over. Not a fan anymore. To which I said, Hey, watch the big four DVD where Kirk says it's the big one. That saddened a lot of people. I was one of them. <laughs> oh my gosh, Dave. Are you going to be okay? You want some tissues? Well, anyway, it's time for my nap. I need to go. I'm feeling kind of grumpy and sweating bullets. My knees are sweaty. Well, I figured, too, you got you to gotta get some rest. You got to wake up early and respond to more people on Twitter. Too. Yeah, I got to deal with Twitter tomorrow. I'll, see, I'll catch you guys later. All right. Thanks for stopping by, Dave. Appreciate Bye! it. Hello, me. It's me again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my tweet reading. It's my misfits way of life. Nice story. Tell it to the reader's digest. Wow. Well, first of all, thanks for Dave, to Dave Mustaine for hanging out in my backyard. You know, he does live here in Nashville. I, I, I can't. I, I'm, it's we're lucky that he took the time to come on over to HQ One. Thank you very much, Dave. We appreciate it. I miss a lot of that. I had to step out while he was in here, but um, it seemed like uh, things went really well with that. You know, I, we don't need to harp on the Mustaine thing for too long, but I mean, come on, dude. You know, another thing he, he said... He loves talking about it. 
I I think he I think he can't not. I think that taking the high road is at, at the best thing I can say for him is I think taking the high road is extremely difficult for him. Clearly, yeah. Because th- th- that that doesn't come out in those response responses to people on Twitter. It's like, you know, when someone says like, "Hey, what would the first two Metallica albums sound like if you hadn't written on it?" Don't say, "What was it like?" Who knows? He probably, or, yeah, he could have been like, you know what? According to everything they've done since I left the band, it probably would have been pretty bitching. Yeah, it might be cool. I just yeah, and you know what? You really contrast that. Um, if you watch some of the new video footage that came out a few weeks ago to sort of commemorate the the puppets box set. Right, yeah. All this really cool old footage with Cliff in the band of them doing a phoner interview. Mm-hmm. And you have to sort of read between the lines because they do this really weird phone interview where all four of them are taking calls from listeners. Right, it's like a telephone. You've seen this, right? Yes. <laughs> it is like a telephone. Yeah. <laughs> this is James Hetfield. Ah, how much you want to pledge? And you can tell they're a little uncomfortable. They're definitely hungover, except for Lars. Lars is definitely ready to get in there. And in one of the phone conversations, so I'm definitely honing in on James and Cliff because right, yeah. they're the two most interesting to me to think about doing a thing like this. Yeah. Hey, it's James from Metallica. Where are you from? What's your name? <laughs> yeah. But of course, Lars is, where are you from? What's your name? You know, he just jumps in. But you can hear him talking about, and then what it sounds like the question is, have you talked to Dave Mustaine? Oh, okay. So this is 1986, right? Yeah. And you can hear him saying, yeah, you know, we actually did run into him. He's up in New York doing some press. I guess their second record's coming out. It's really great. He's been doing some really great stuff yeah. with his band. We weren't able to really talk a lot, but he did come to the show, and it was really good to see him. You just contrast, so this, this I put in air quotes, this feud. Yeah. That really does seem to be this one-sided. It really does. I mean, over the years, I mean, and many, many, many years, it's clear that, like, Mustaine has the issue. Metallica, as far as I know, you rarely or never hear them talk shit on Dave. They invited him to the 30th anniversary shows. Yeah, they they invited him to do the big four shows, like... But it's not just, enough. It's, it's just not, not, it's enough. not enough for him, and that's that's what it just it bums me out as a Megadeth fan. I, I love their music. I mean, the other night I was sitting here in a YouTube fucking rabbit hole watching Megadeth live videos in a videos unitard. In a unitard, it was so comfortable, by the way. <laughs> and I looked damn good. I should have thrown it on Instagram. Um, you're in a you're in a uh, P cells unitard. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, well, yeah, you know, was, was it a risk unitard? No. It, <laughs> Well, it was risque. No, it's actually a so far so good. So what, Unitard? Okay, um, was the was the well, so far so good, and then the dot dot dot, and then over your PP. That's so, so what? Yeah. Well, it's the thirtieth anniversary this year of that record, so I figured to commemorate it by wearing that Unitard. I like that I just called your penis your PP. Your you can tell I have a three year old. Well, that's not the first time you've referred to the <laughs> Panasia area as the PP. Okay, well, we'll move on from Dave. So we're having fun. <laughs> Hopefully one day Dave will will get it together. I don't know how to help him. All right, let's talk about Lunar Satan for a second, just briefly. Yeah, yeah. and this is a long intro. We're sorry, guys, but we got to talk about Lunar Satan. I'm this is sorry. This is something that um, kind of accidentally happened on the show. We were just kind it was of talking. A total accident. Yeah, we were talking about Satan and space. And Clint mentioned something about, you know, the idea of Satan being in space and writing a record about it. And I, I threw out Lunar Satan. And this is now the band name of Clint's new project. <laughs> well, we got a lot. We got a lot of response after that episode of saying you guys definitely need to do a Lunar Satan record. You know, right, yeah. I started to say on social media, you know, I think I actually am going to write that record. And then I, a few days ago, I started writing that record. And yes, you did. Yeah, I wrote the first song, the first Lunar Satan song. It's called "We Ride the Skies," and um, 
It's a theme. It's a concept record. <laughs> Your text to me was amazing, but please explain to our fans what so, it is. So, so the premise is: uh, ancient Christians centuries ago froze Satan and sent him into space to to once and for all rid the world of evil. Right now, what's happened is some um, satanic occultist astronauts have located the frozen Satan, and through through various incantations and rituals have. Thawed him out, awakened yeah. him, and now ride the skies with Satan on a quest not only to seek vengeance on Earth, destroy Earth, but to destroy every known life in the possible universe. Now, will they succeed? That's a question we're all going to have to find out together. Only time will tell through 10 tracks. The record is called How Like a Wolf and a Witch Will Open the Door. <laughs> Incredible. Now, the funny thing is, is that this song is definitely in earnest. I mean, it's not a joke song. It's not like a black metal. It's an in earnest song about it's Satan. Good. If, if you haven't, like Clint tweeted, tweeted about it from our Metal Peer Podcast account uh, <laughs> all day today. Um, it's available to stream for free on SoundCloud. Um, and again, if you go to Patreon and you pledge $1, you get a download of it. But If you go to Patreon and pledge a dollar, you get an immediate download, and you're going to get any any new single, any new songs as I write them. The record should be out by this summer. We're, it's going to go to Patreon first. And right, all you yeah. got to do is pledge a dollar, and you're basically going to get this record. For a whole year, that's 12 bucks. Yeah, it's not much. We're going to play We Ride the Skies. At the end of this episode, you'll get a little taste of it. <laughs> yeah. You'll get you'll, you'll, a, a big taste of it. But yeah. let it be known that Lunar Satan now exists in the world. And, <laughs> and in space. And in space where Satan is. The, the, theme, <laughs> the theme of that song sounds strikingly uh, similar to Jason X. Yeah. That's Was what, it inspired uh, by that? Um, well, as a huge horror freak, I've got all that in me somewhere. It's there. So Jason X, that's the 10th Jason, right? Yes, yeah, so the 10th one. That's where he's he cryogenically After frozen Jason goes in, to hell? Yeah, he's frozen in space. Yeah. Okay. Or I think they, God, I, I don't want to misqu- or you know get this wrong, but yeah, it's something where like All those Jason X fans. There's yeah, so many Jason X fans <laughs> listen to our podcast. Um, yeah, something similar. But they basically are in space and he starts to fuck shit up on a spaceship. Okay. So cool. Lunar Satan's similar. Well, maybe I hope the Friday the 13th franchise people don't sue me. <laughs> Oh shit! They're listening right now. We're gonna play the song at the end of the episode. Check it out. Now here's the deal: we're on all the socials we've mentioned: it. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. The best way to get a hold of us though is to send us an email: metalupyourpodcastshow at gmail dot com. Correct. Let's get into the emails. Let's do it. Our first email is from Chris Ahern. I think it's pronounced Ahern, Ahern, Ahern. Anyways. No one knows. He says, hey dudes, I'm pretty new to listening to the podcast, to podcasts. I fucking, lo- in all caps, I fucking love this podcast. I sit at work and listen uh, to it from 8.30 to 5 p.m. every day. Ha-ha. Wow. Wow, that's a lot. We're probably catching up right now. That's about 100% more than my wife listens to this show. <laughs> it's, I would say 99.5 because my wife has sat in on two episodes with us. True. Um, uh, where was I? He says, uh, could you guys talk about how uh, a tour is structured and how Metallica might structure one? Last time they played Ireland in Dublin, it was 09, and man, it was so good. I'm from Cork, uh, so, uh, sorry, I'm, uh, I'm from Cork, so, so down the south and traveled up. I think he's trying to say I'm far down south. Okay. I'm down south and traveled up with a bunch of buds and just had a blast. Thanks, guys. Uh, well, Chris, um, first of all, 
I actually responded to him uh, via email. Yeah. Because uh, I have a mutual friend who's in Nashville right now, who's now doing a Taylor Swift tour. Um, worked with Kings when I was with them. Name name Owen, spelled E O I N. Oh, that's that's clear. It's an it's a traditional Irish spelling of Owen, and oh, good. we always called him E O N. Yeah, well, that's what it sounds like. It does, yeah. But he's also originally from Cork, where okay. this guy's from too. So, um, so mm-hmm. yeah, tour. Well, Ethan and I could definitely break down for you maybe um, a general day. Now, the Metallica crew. First of all, we're going to have several members of their crew on the show. Yes. We're going to have our friend Matt, who did the pyro on the summer tour. Yeah. And we're going to have our friend Wes, who... Um, currently works for them. Currently works for them and does the tuning room. Yeah. So we'll be able to actually... So stay tuned for that. We're actually going to get... We'll get straight details on that. When we did go see the band in Detroit, our friend Matt was able to give us sort of a... Um, we did get to go backstage. For, yeah, like a backstage little tour of, of what his job entails. We didn't meet the band, but we did sort of see a lot of behind the scenes. Now, a typical day of tour at that level, though, you might be able to speak to a bit more than me. I you, mean... I, so so it, here's the deal on a bus. On a bus tours, what that means is you travel at night and you sleep while you have a, we have a paid driver. Yeah. So you usually wake up in the city that you're in. Yes. And usually sound check uh, is around three or four. For a headlining band. Right, yeah. So you have, you know, like, I know for my gig, um, we wake up at 9 or 10, and we're already there. We don't have really anything to do till 4. Yeah. So we go to the hotel and work out, or we go get lunch, or we go to a record store. The crew is all the crew. The crew is up at seven or eight a.m. Yeah, the, the, that, that's the important thing to remember is that like you know people are working. A, yeah, yeah. people are working. The, the second the trucks and the buses like pull into that venue, whether it's an arena, amphitheater, whatever. The crew is working, you know, like for me, when I did, ba- I, you know, I was a backline tech for Kings Leon, I didn't have to go until noon, which is fucking sweet. So I could stay up till three or four in the morning. Backline meaning you were doing the amps, the guitars, amps, yeah, exactly. the drums. Amps. Like if I was backline, for, uh, backline tech for Metallica, like let's say I teched for Robert, I'd be setting up all his amps, his rig. You're not doing changing. lights or PA no, or no, pyro. No, 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 there's, there's, there's different departments on a right. tour. So yeah, you have a lighting department, you know, a, a, a catering department, catering department, audio department. The chef's got to get up and go buy local food and get yep. a menu together yep. and start cooking and and do catering. I mean, they're they're usually ca- catering and riggers first, know, first up, first up. Now, what rigging is is basically like anything you you see hanging from the ceiling. <clears throat> so, for instance, on the speakers, current, lights, yeah. So, on this current Metallica tour, they have those big cubes, those L, those like big LED screen cubes. There's what like a hundred thousand, hundred thousand of them or something. Close fifty, yeah, fifty. Yeah. Um, so those are hung from the rafters. You know what I found out this week? Those yes. weigh five hundred pounds each. Each five hundred pounds. Shit. So that also uh, what, what what you have to take into account with that is there's certain venues you can't play, right? Because there there's arenas or whatever that the the structure you're playing in can't support that amount of weight right they have to look into all that how much weight can it support how much weight it's, it's are the, pretty are the crazy trusses? yeah yeah i mean like even with with kings of leon when, uh, when i was with them at one point we had this massive screen that i mean was about the width of the like whole 46 stage. 46 inches it was huge yeah. 46 inches at yeah. least yeah maybe 47 right oh that's big but i mean every day i saw them build that thing i was just like god if that thing fell it would be, it would kill you. It would yeah. kill you. Anything that's hung at a big arena show from the from the rafters, from the support beams, whatever the riggers hang, if it can fall, it can kill you. It's a, crazy. A, most rigging and most pyro jobs are extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I would walk in many times. Like, I always got up, you know, kind of early on tour, like eight, about eight, eight thirty, uh, mostly because I wanted breakfast. Um, mm-hmm. But I would always walk kind of by the stage and see what was going on and watching the riggers and stuff. I'd look up in the, you know, fucking sky and I see these dudes like strapped into a steel beam, just like hanging upside down, like attaching something that's going to eventually hold a motor that's going to raise or lower like the cube thing that Metallica's doing. They're fearless. You know, it's oh, it's so. Fe- I would never be a rigger. I hate heights. I hate flying. I could never be a rigger. When I toured with Zach Brown, I was in a band that signed to his label. And we opened for Zach. And uh, what they did is they just spread the whole band out on their crew buses. Okay. So yeah. I was on the bus with riggers. Uh, okay. And what's crazy about that tour is that those motherfuckers partied all night. Mm-hmm. For, first of all, first one's up, last one's done. Oh, yeah. Then out partied me, and I had no obligations. Yeah. And they all, riggers can also basically sleep all day. Right. After they're done. In the words of Mark Slaughter, they're up all night, sleep all day. <laughs> I know what you're doing. <laughs> Is that the song? <clears throat> no, it's up but, all night. Oh, sleep all no day. wait. I'm, what's the classic rock song? Up all night, sleep all day. I know what you're saying. Oh, better than James. James Gang. Is that James Gang? Oh, that that is James Gang. That's Joe Walsh. Yeah, Joe Walsh from the Los Eagles. Anyway, so I know this is our first email, but we don't have that many today. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So, a band like Metallica. That's just pr- the morning. We only talked about the morning. A band. <laughs> so that's eight a.m. Now nine. So nine. nine. <laughs> no, a band like Metallica though probably does not do sound check. Uh, sometimes they do. It, it not every day though. Yeah. Yeah. They, they they did some sound checking and rehearsal uh, rehearsaling. Um, rehearsaling. Bef- rehearsaling. Yeah, it's a new term I just came up with right now. Cool. Uh, they did that before they started this this European. But run. I would imagine on your average day for them, they're not doing sound check. Their techs are their techs are the ones who put the guitars on, walk out. Yeah, that's what I did. Walk to, walk to the mics yep. and super super important job. Metallica probably gets to the venue. An hour before the show, they got the tuning uh, probably room. Probably more than that, because they got tuning room, they got meet and greet. That's right, they do their meet and greet, that's right. I'd imagine, it, it, let's say their set is uh, at... Nine. Nine. Um, They're probably the venue at seven. You think earlier than seven? I would say earlier, yeah. I, I would say six o'clock, five okay. o'clock, at the earliest five wow. o'clock. They'll probably be six. Um, well, they're eating dinner there. They're eating the catering, because yeah. they have their own chef that like makes food just for them. Oh, yeah, for sure they do. Yeah. So... They have catering, they have meet and greets, they have tuning room, they've got friends and family. At, they've got friends and family probably at every show and celebrities at every show that want to meet them. I'm sure, yeah. Um, they're that level of band. What else? So they play the show, and then I do know after the show, they immediately get in cars and either go to an airport, go to their plane and fly to their hub. Probably, yeah. Yeah, and, w- and what that means is basically like a lot of times bands of that size, when you're touring Europe and you're on a private jet every night, um, you're not just flying to the next city where the show is. You're, you're hubbed out somewhere. You're hubbed out somewhere. You're hubbed out in um, London or... Although, well, no, it, it made sense the other night because my buddy my buddy Wes, who's working for them right now, mm-hmm. uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, there wasn't a show and the whole Metallica crew was getting together to watch the Super Bowl. And he texted me and he said... James just came to our Super Bowl party. But they might have been hubbing out of Madrid. Well, uh, well, no, it was because there was Madrid day off and then Madrid again. That's why they were still there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so in, in, in general, though, uh, let's say they're hubbing out of London. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> after every show, you walk off stage, hop in a couple of cars, you go to the little regional airport, get on your private jet, 
fly back to London. Now, if it's, I don't think Metallica does two shows in a row right now. Yeah, I don't think so. <clears throat> but in general, yeah, you'll fly back to London. You'll be back at your hotel. I mean, anywhere in Europe, you can get back to London in like two hours or less. Right. Sometimes 30 minutes. Well, like to put it in terms of the States, when they were playing the Midwest, they were hubbed out of Chicago. Right. Yeah. When they were playing in the in the New England area, they were hubbed out of New York City. Exactly. And yeah. that's probably where their families are. Their families are probably still at the hotel with the kids. Right, man. They play the show. They're home. They can sleep. They have the whole next day with their family. Yep. It's such a fucking rad way to tour. It's a great way to tour. I mean, and if, and if you're a band of that size and you have the money, it's like, right. why not do that? Totally. It, it's healthier for you. Well, it's James, healthier for your family, especially right. James, like being sober and right. like making his family his priority. I mean, that's something that like, if I was in his position and I could finish my show, walk off stage and within two hours, I'm with my family sleeping and the next day hanging out all day, spending time with them. That's great. Like... That sounds amazing. For for me, it's sound check around four, if anyone's interested in what my day is. <laughs> Show's usually at nine or ten. We usually headline whatever show we're doing. Sound check at four. We're done by five. We eat dinner. Then it's hang time, which for me usually means gym or nap. And what I call the golden hour, which is the hour before we hit the deck, is when I make my first cocktail. Okay, nice. And then I go on stage with a cocktail, play the show, 90 minutes, come off. I like to hang out on the bus with the dudes for a minute, and I'm usually the first one in my bunk watching a horror film and going night-night. Laying in your kiss sheets. My bunk is completely decked out in kiss <laughs> gear. There's more pictures of kiss than my kid, um, and I have a destroyer blanket. You, you do, yeah. So that's me. That's my reality. Yeah. Uh, and uh, quite the opposite of, of Metallica's hubbing schedule. Uh, when I've gone on tour... Uh, I don't see my wife for about seven to nine weeks. Yeah, you stay gone. It's a bummer. Yeah, it it can suck. I haven't done that kind of touring in a long time. I've mostly done that kind of touring. Yeah, <laughs> that's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it is. But it when sucks. you really want to go to Europe and crush those markets, and if you're on more of a budget than someone like Metallica, sure, you've got to stay out there. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. It costs so much money to get everyone home. Yep. Well, especially I mean, I mean, Metallica's crew is probably God of a tour like this out of Matt. Let's see. Matt told us. He gave us all crew, the details. My crew was mine, as, as if I run them. The crew, uh, the crew run. I was on was, was 40? about 35 to 40. I going to guess 40. Yeah. This is probably 140. Yeah, I, I, at the most, I'd say. Yeah. I'm not positive, but still, a lot of fucking people. Well, we're going to have Matt and Wes on, and we'll we'll do a whole episode on how many semis, how many, um, how many buses... How many people on the crew, yeah. how long it takes to set up those screens on the stadium tour, right. how long it takes to set up each of those 500-pound cubes, Right. Yeah. how the drones work. We're going to get all the inside scoop and all that shit. That'll be fun. It, it'll be so fun. It's just all magic, by the way. Oh, yeah. That's the it, simple it, answer. No, it's all some Harry Potter shit, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what we do is we have Harry Potter come wave his wand. and Yep. And all the cubes go up. Yeah. All right. Cool. How about uh, email number two? <laughs> all right. Cool. John Sturm writes, patron of the show. He writes, Clint, Ethan... Thanks for putting the effort in with the EP. It fu- it's fucking killer, dudes. I totally love it. Love the stylistic choices, the arrangements, the passion that exudes from every note. Brilliant. Also, thank you for making something that is touching my heart and soul. I'm going through a bit of a dark time at the moment, and your art is helping me stay afloat. There's a comfort in the shadows that these songs seem to evoke in me. It soothes and salves the wounds. Each day, this EP helps build a stronger foundation. It might be crazy to hear this said about cover songs, but music is a lifeblood, and we can never quite work out how it connects to each of us. All we know is how it makes us feel, or the resultant feelings that linger. Anyway, I've babbled enough. Thanks, guys. Wow. 
I thought that was cool. And, and yeah, I, very cool. I wrote back kind of a longer thing to John, but and I asked him if I could read that email on the show, and he said yes because yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way about our AP. <laughs> no, just about how I think a lot of people are struggling. Yes, for sure. I know mentally, you know, I, I definitely dip in and out of that. Yeah, yeah. The show has actually been really good for me mentally. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, the music of Metallica for sure. The EP for me, getting inside those songs and even a song like The Unnamed Feeling, which I think is about depression. Right, yeah. I found really strangely helpful and Well, and I also think too, like for, for me and you as songwriters, as musicians, um taking on Metallica songs and reimagining them, um you know, it, it puts you in a spot, no matter what you're dealing with in life, where it, it gives you a focus, it gives you something to spend your time with and not think about maybe something that's bringing you down or depressing you or whatever. Um, I, I found that for me. I mean, like, you know, Unforgiven 3, for instance, my cover, uh, I recorded 90% of that in hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. And I was on the road, hadn't seen my wife in at least six weeks. And it kind of gave me an escape, you know, um, just for a night. You know, I'd be thinking right. about my wife. Like, oh, I just want to go home. I'm fucking getting depressed. But you had something to put energy into. Exactly. It was yeah. positive. You were able to yeah, make something. Yeah, and that's what music does in general. I mean, not whether you're recording it or listening to it, 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 it can be an escape. It can, not an escape to avoid things, but just to maybe just kind of distract you for a little bit, just to get your mind off something. And it has healing properties and all these things. It's like, well, if it I didn't have music, I don't know what the fuck I'd be doing. You know. Well, I, I've, I've, I've said for a really long time, embarrassingly so at times that like it has saved my life oh yeah for sure and um john and i emailed about this but i'll I'll try to condense this but what worries me about the sort of disposable nature of music in culture today obviously the um, revenue is down right yeah but i do worry about like um for me to say something like music saves my life right that sounds really trite in our sort of current youtube american idol no one can even listen to three minutes of a song anymore. Yeah. Let alone, you know, like I would say like the the record The Wall by Pink Floyd hit me at a really pivotal time in my teens. I learned how to play guitar listening to that record and just emotionally kind of probably kept me out of some some trouble. Yeah, for sure. To say that now, like you need to go live with this super esoteric, dark, <laughs> double record from 1979. It just seems like current culture would be like, what? Wait, I just want to listen to music that's fun. How and I, long is it? And I don't even want to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I was talking to someone recently. It was like, oh, my God, my favorite song. You got to hear it. I'm like, what's it called? I don't know. I don't know. And then, I just, they, I and then I was like, well, it. let me hear it. And then they had to look it up on YouTube. I'm like, you don't even fucking own your favorite. First of all, your favorite song. Oh, my God, it's my is favorite it song. Your, is it your favorite song? You don't know what it's called. And you had to fucking look it up on YouTube. Yep. I, I mean, for me, I... I, I so guys like I us feel, just sound feel, insane to people like that. Of course we do. Where we're yeah. like, music saves our lives. But I feel sorry for those people because they're missing out on an experience that will change. It could change your life, or save their life, or save their life, or help you learn an instrument, or help you learn how to write poetry or yeah. lyrics or something. You know? Yeah. Like like okay, so uh, th- th- this is relevant. Uh, speaking of that, like so today uh, I, I've been recording with my friend Matthew Mayfield uh, in our mutual friend Paul Muck studio. Um, I got to come by today and bring my daughter. She yes. met you guys for the first so time. I, so as long as I've known Clint, I've never met his daughter because usually we record this podcast at, at HQ one when it has been done HQ two and just mounds of cocaine. Keep the, keep the kids. Oh, can't, of, of our, course. Our, yeah. All of our drug paraphernalia. Right. 
But either, you know, uh, his kid is at daycare uh, or out with his wife or it's late. So she's asleep. So Clint brings his daughter by today. And first of all, she's like the most beautiful little kid you'll ever see. And so social and so intelligent. But she took a shine to you, though. She was well, kids like me. (laughs) I worked at you're likable. I worked at a daycare. You're lovable. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Clint and, uh, Matthew and Paul were kind of catching up and listening to some tunes and Clint's daughter, I was like, Hey, do you want to, w- want me to give you a little tour of the studio? And she mm-hmm. was like, okay. And she just followed me and I showed her all the instruments. When she walked into the main room, she looks around and she looks at me and she goes, this is so cool. <laughs> There's so many instruments. And I immediately was like, oh my gosh, she knows what instruments are. Yeah. And at one point I had her on a xylophone and then yep. she was playing drums and it was just one of those little moments like as your friend and just as a human being who's a musician, I was just like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. Like I wish, or maybe I, I, I mean, I, I was probably like that when I was a kid cause my dad was a musician, but right. just see, just to see your kid's eyes light up right. when they hit something and a note came out of it Yeah, and no, uh, your daughter looked at me and she goes, that sounds so cool. Yeah. You know, she would hit another note and then she'd grab a different mallet and hit the xylophone and go, that one's so loud. I love it. And I was like, oh my gosh, you are your dad's daughter. It's almost like primal in a way. Like it's great. She's hitting a thing and responding to it. It's real visceral. And Well, I mean, also imagine like, it's tough to put ourselves back in that place, but imagine hearing a sound for the first right. time. Right. Like I remember when I heard the sound of Nirvana for the Me first too. time, or I heard the sound of a certain instrument for the first time, but the kind of that like whoa like i i do remember and we've talked about this before i'm not a huge nirvana guy i know you and paul sure and Matthew yeah. are more so but i do remember the first time i heard in bloom mm-hmm. i mean it really was like whatever wherever i was in fifth grade where i was probably like whoa yeah, exactly. this is good and that kind of stuff you know i think kind of lessens the older you get you know you, you have to you have to sort of relearn it, or you have, or to, you be, have to seek it out. Maybe you have to seek it. You have to sort of rediscover yeah. it. But to see your daughter today just get so excited about instruments, I was so stoked. I'm sure. Man. Yeah, as a dad, you were probably like, "Yes." Well, just that so, she was able to meet you guys, be in that environment. She didn't want to leave. Like you know, like well, it was cute. The best part was when Clint got to the studio. For the first maybe 10 minutes, your daughter kept going like, "Daddy, let's go to the car. We have to go." Well, she was telling me I was the baby. She was like, "You're the baby." And I'm going to drive the car home. And we're all like, oh, really? Did you hear what she was calling me today? No. She couldn't remember my name. She kept calling me little boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, when I kind of walked. She was playing the xylophone. I kind of walked she over. She said little boy? Yeah. She goes, little boy. Little boy. And I turn, I turn around the corner. She goes, come play the xylophone with me. Ethan's very tall, by the way. That's yeah. so funny. He's like, little boy. She called me little and boy. And she's real small. She's, the sm- she's one a- of the smallest people I've <laughs> she's met. She's pretty yeah. small. Yeah. She's like a foot. That was cool, man. Ethan and I played on Matthew's last record that Paul produced yeah. uh, called Recoil. Really Paul good. Paul. Paul, Paul. Yeah. And uh, Ethan's making this new record with Matthew and Paul. And you're coming in next week, I think. I'm going to go in next week. Yeah. We'll see. Clint's going to add some uh, ketchup and mustard to it. But you're right. To wrap all that up, it was cool to see like her responding to music. It's what we do with our lives. It's so important. And in some, in ways large and small, maybe even ways we don't even know, people like John are being helped by it. And I find that yeah. really humbling and beautiful. Oh, and it's great. Yeah. It's cool, man. I appreciated that John put that out there and let us share that on the show. Yeah. So. Thank you very much for, for your honesty and letting us share it. Um, okay. All right. We got one, one last email, the short email list this week, and then we'll get into Icon. This is a long episode. It's, it is. It's fun. All right. You know what? More hours for more people. Enjoy yeah, I'm it. I'm into it. You know what? It's free. Fucking listen to it. Enjoy <laughs> it. Damn it. 
All right, last uh, email is a longtime listener, Tim Rasmussen. He says, uh, hi again, fellas. I just heard the clips you post of Lunar Satan so far. Sounds fucking excellent. Yes. Really excited to hear more of this stuff. Uh, for some reason today, I was thinking about Pawpaw's Poetry uh, Corner again, and uh, as well as hearing the soothing redneck flow working, a, a dream over peace sells but who's buying. I was wondering if there there's anyone better than Pawpaw to read the lyrics to Slipknot's uh, People Equals Shit. Wow. Um, it would be incredible, Clint. Uh, read it yourself in Pawpaw's voice. Do it. I hope uh, to hear these submissions read by Pawpaw one day. We got a Pawpaw fan here. He's a Pawpaw fan. Well, you know what? On my way into HQ1, I think I did see Pawpaw wearing a Megadeth shirt. We'll see. We'll have to see you later. I don't know if he's hanging around, but... Yeah. Well, you, you text him anyway here. You thought you saw Pawpaw sitting at a, at a bus stop with the <laughs> Megadeth shirt on. So maybe he'll show up. We'll see. There's a bus stop close to my house, so we'll see. Hey, we appreciate you writing in every week, everyone. <laughs> uh, we love reading these emails. So show at gmail.com. Write in. We'll read it on yeah. the show. Uh, and that, ladies and gentlemen, was the emails. That's it. All right. All right, let's talk about MTV Icon. So MTV Icon, it, it was sort of an ill-fated series. I think they had some big plans for it being a... I almost wish it would have continued. It was only, well, it was it was cool. only, it was only f- four episodes or four shows. Yeah, it, so it was, a, it was supposed to be an annual special. It only lasted from 2001 to 2004. And the idea was it was paying homage to an artist or a band selected as a cultural icon, similar to... Um, like a video music awards with a live audience, right, uh, yeah. musicians, celebrities, fans, a biographical film depicting the career of the chosen icon, uh, interspersed of celebrity introductions, live performances, popular artists covering the songs of the icon. And then at the end, the, whoever the icon was would play a live set of their own, except yeah, yeah. the award of MTV icon. Metallica was the third band. First was Janet Jackson then Aerosmith, then Metallica, and then the last one before it was canceled basically was The Cure. God, which, I mean, that one's fucking cool, too. We're both huge Cure fans. They're all cool. I mean, whether you like Jan Jackson or not, or Aerosmith or whatever. I like all those people. Yeah, I mean, they're great. And even in the Aerosmith one, uh, James, Lars, and Kirk actually talk about Aerosmith on the show. Oh, cool. Yeah, and that was was pre-Robert. So it's just the three of them there. It was so it was after Jason quit. Right. They got asked to do Icon for Aerosmith. Because the Aerosmith one was 2001. And Jason left uh, in 2002. Okay. And Jason yeah. left in 2001. Right. Yeah. Interesting. And I know like 70s Aerosmith was a huge influence on Metallica. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially James. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, It's notable because it was the first televised performance of them with Rob. Yeah. I mean, as we saw in the Some Kind of Monster documentary, um, this is the, the, the de- debut of Rob. It's the first time anyone's seen him on stage with Metallica. And, and do, you rem- do you remember, I remember, because we were talking earlier about it being 15 years old, and yeah. one of the weirder things about that is I remember watching it, um, like staying up to watch it, yeah. and um, being big Jason Cat, being real skeptical at the time. And um, even beyond even beyond my Jason fanboyism, yeah. feeling awkward for Rob, they're, they're being recognized for being cultural icons, and it's Rob's first real um his know, inauguration fir- with his the band. first live performance with them he's an icon right um but what was cool was uh so during the intro of the show when some 41 is playing their medley of metallica songs mm-hmm. and they start flashing the dude's faces on the screen it's kind know? of that brady bunch like the cells <laughs> <where> they're, they're <laughs> like this brady bunch yeah 
Here's a story of a band called Metallica. But when, but when they, they show Rob last, like, okay, it's like, there's Lars, there's James, Because it was sort of the Kurt, debut of Rob. And here's Rob, yeah. With one very, very angry Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, that was good. It was uh, filmed on May 3rd, aired on May 6th. I mean, and we saw it in the film where they were like, hey, can you be ready by, can you have a bass player by May 6th? They were like... Uh, we we shoot on May third, which means you have to have found a bass player by May second. Yeah, well, and, I mean, in the documentary, they, they kind of talk about like that was kind of the pressure that made them make a decision. Yeah, it was like a cool boundary. Like, oh shit! Now we have to actually decide this. But what was cool when they when they were doing the Brady Bunch intro was when they showed Rob last. The crowd went crazy. The crowd that was in the building was like, "Fuck yeah!" Like new bass player. Like, well, let's for a moment suspend disbelief and imagine that there wasn't an applause sign. Or some sort of uh, audience exciter. I don't know if I mean maybe there was an applause sign or something like that. Like, I'm sure a producer was, came out and said, "Hey, when this happens, we're debuting a new member of the band. Yeah. When we show him last, you guys need to go crazy." But I, I mean, not to take anything away from Rob, as a Metallica fan, if I was in that building, no producer would have to tell me what to do. Knowing who Rob Trujillo yeah, is it's and up. what he's done, I was like, "Oh my gosh, Suicidal Tendencies, Ozzy Osbourne." I'm going to go crazy when I see it. It's him, true. You know? And we would have had we been there. Yeah. But you got to remember, we were all Jason Cat. You and I were Jason Cat. Yeah, so sure. it was kind of like, our boy's gone. Yeah. Who's this motherfucker? I mean, I definitely felt like, who's this motherfucker? <laughs> yeah. I had this sort of um, territorial thing that you have when you're young and I dumb. didn't. I, I, you didn't have that at all. Like, no, you, looking you, back you, on you that, you were more era, open to it. Yeah, I, I was very uh, open to Were, Rob you, being were the you online? Oh, yeah. Was I online with Metallica? Yeah. In 2003? I'm talking about that you hadn't gotten off, because you weren't big fans of Load and Reload. Oh, no, no. Okay, so no, I, I Cause, was- Because I, I got offline after yeah. St. Anger. I was de- I was definitely offline for a little bit, like- I was offline from 03 to 08. Well, I would say 08. Okay. Okay, so what, what kind of brought me back online after Load and Reload was- Saint, um, S&M. Uh, Garage oh, Inc. Garage Days, yeah. Garage Inc. Garage Inc. Garage Inc. Good God. Got- I'm getting emails about that. <laughs> um- Garage and M. Uh, so that kind of got me back online. And then um, S&M came out and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Because at that point in my life, I was like a little bit more of a accomplished musician, I guess. And, mm-hmm. and my taste had changed and sure. broadened. You'd, grow, you'd grown up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So the idea of Metallica doing a, a record with a symphony I was like, this sounds amazing. Um, and I got into Apocalyptica, so that strengthened that taste. But um, Man, for me, for me being totally on the load reload train, yeah. S&M is like... It was just like a gift from God. Yeah, especially because they—I mean, they—they they did like devil's dance and shit. I mean, like, oh yeah, they—they they did deep cut. They, you know, and the minus human and the no leaf clover really felt like extensions of yeah. load and reload. I mean, they did the fucking outlaw torn. I know. Did as, they? As, <laughs> I was really trying to just I'm talk about my it own grave with it, that. By the way, as if we've never had that problem. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so. um So for you, you were a little more open to Rob, and you—you you actually, but you were more hip to his work. Before Metallica, yes. which I, I I didn't know anything about suicidal tendencies or infectious grooves, right? Or I was hip to Ozzy, but I didn't know that Rob was his bass player. So so the dudes that got me into not only Rob Trujillo but suicidal tendencies, infectious grooves, and stuff like that. James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich, exactly. James and Lars. No. Um, when I was in junior high, uh, I had already gotten into Metallica and maybe Anthrax and Iron Maiden, um, mm. but I didn't know all this all these deep cut bands. You know, bands that weren't as big as them. Right. Um, and growing up in Southern California, like, you know, half of my junior high was Hispanic. 
So I became friends with all these Mexican dudes that were metal guys. Um, two guys in particular, this guy named Hector Gonzalez and a guy named Santos Camacho. Hmm. Uh, two dudes I still know to this day. Um, and those dudes got me into suicidal tendencies. And because suicidal kind of had this sort of uh, Southern California, Southern California kind of Vato vibe. What like, does that mean? Vato, it's like, you know, uh, I don't know how to explain what a Vato is. It's like, you know, um, when someone says like, ole Vato, it's kind of like, hello friend or whatever vato is more of like a slang term i guess for like your your homie you know <laughs> someone you're tight with which homie itself is slang it is for friend right but uh anyway so these dudes hector and santos were these two dudes in my life that like turn me on to sepultura to slayer to suicide tendencies oh, i love sepultura yeah um but yeah, so man, um, I was when, so you were st- so you were actually stoked that when this- I heard that Rob. So I was, of course, like you, bummed. Oh, Jason's gone. Shit, this sucks. It was shocking. Who in the hell are they going to get yeah. to replace Jason Newstead? You know Who what? replaced Cliff Burton? You you may have been a little further along than me in a sort of professional capacity of music. I was in cover bands and stuff at that time, but. Um, the thought of who would replace him, I, I didn't even... For for me, him being gone felt like a piece of the puzzle that was so elemental. Yeah. It, it was probably like what people felt like when Cliff passed away. Sure, yeah. Which I, I wasn't hip to it then, but... Um, so you were already thinking ahead, like, who are they going to get? And then for them to get someone that you already respected and Yeah, when of, I found out, I mean, because this is obviously, you know, this is... I found all this stuff out, like, through magazines and whatever I old found school. at Tower Records or something. Yeah, old school. You know, it, it it wasn't, you know, watching some kind of monster where I found out. Like, I heard Rob Trujillo is joining Metallica, and I, I was stoked. You know, and... Because I knew he was a badass bass player. I was he, like, this... And I even made that connection. I was like, dude, this dude can play like Cliff. This guy can play with his fingers so fucking fast. And, you know, maybe not as innovative as, Cl- as Cliff. Definitely not as in- innovative. But the dude can hang. Well, you know what? I don't think since Cliff died, I mean, this has been proven with Jason. It was one of the big problems with Jason. Right. I don't think that anyone sitting in Cliff's shoes would ever have the opportunity to be as creative as he was. I just think that door closed when he died. Jason was never really given, really able to let his wings spread. That's hence echo brain. Right. Which looking back, it seems so dumb. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you if you want to know like Jason's like exact thoughts on taking over for Cliff, you need to watch. Uh, yeah, I know you've watched it, but watch that Hired Gun documentary. Oh, J- it's it's wonderful. Jason talks about Cliff in the documentary about having to fill his shoes. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's on Netflix too. So yeah, go check it out. So <clears throat> so all right. So yeah, the the show sort of opens with uh, some forty one who were big at the time s- since. Yeah, dude, I I gotta say, I, 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 at one point I was a fan. They, all right, they have a record called Does This Look Infected. Yeah, and with the with the big head wound on yeah, the it's cover, like a zombie looking guy yeah, on the cover. Yeah. It, it's it's a really good like pop punk dark record. Well, so let's listen to a little bit about what they opened up with. Okay.
Okay, so, we, so the, the, right out of the gate, this is a highlight for me. I think some forty one. I, I like before this this thing even aired. I knew these dudes were like metal fans. They 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 incorporate that kind of stuff on their records, cool little metal parts and double kick stuff and whatever. And so, like them or not, I thought they did justice to the songs they did. Well, so they do they do kind of a medley. They do bells and the Sandman into sort of a solo of puppets. Right. Yeah. I think one of my early criticisms. I do think they did. It sounds heavy. The gun gun gun. Yeah. To me, the the bass is not. It's great. wimpy. Yeah, it's, it's wimpy. wimpy. It's like oh. missing a lot of balls. Well, I mean, that dude is like this skinny little Canadian punk rock kid. Well, but, he could, but you, you, there. That's why they make guitar pedals. He, he, well, it sounds like he basically has like some kind of EQ pedal on where it just makes it sound like you need a fucking fuzz pedal, and you a need wah. an envelope filter, or a wah, or whatever. Yeah, you need that wah 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 wah. That kind of. But and this is going to be a recurring theme tonight a little bit when some of these bands get it wrong. All right, they, there's some valiant efforts. Yes. Um, the highlight for me might surprise you, but I do think most of them ultimately sort of get it wrong. And here, here's yeah. what. Um, here was my my thought as a musician, as a dude who's been in cover bands, who's been in, who's paid tribute, done covers sure, on decks yeah. or whatever. How do you not slave over getting it right? Slave over it, like just really, really getting it right. You're about to play MTV Icon this in show in front of Metallica, and Metallica's watching you. Which I would get it. I would slave over it and get it right if it was fucking just me and you and HQ One. Yes. Let alone broadcast on MTV to millions of people. In front of the band, them. How are you going to come out with the ding 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 ding? Yeah, sounding like he's fucking hitting a flipping pennies. And it's not like that. It's not like that. The bass player of Sum Forty One isn't a capable bass player. He just needed a f- the right fucking tone. He. What it sounds like to me is that that like, needs to sound like he, the end of the world. What it sounds like to me is that he he listened to the actual recording of the song on Red Light and just learned the part and learned the part. He didn't. He do one little extra step and go on YouTube or something and Cliff Burton for whom the bell tolls and look at them at day on the green, you know, right. Or, you know, and, and, and watch him just wah-na, wah-na, that crazy fucking sound like that would be cool. Rob does it. Rob, Jason did it. Rob does it. And guess what? The rest of Metallica are watching him every night. Well, he does it while crab walking. His center of gravity is extremely low <laughs> and he's still able to do it. All right, but I will say to give those boys some credit. Otherwise, Bell, Bell sounds really um, heavy. The vocals he he messes up the lyrics a, quite a bit. A couple you, artists. You guys, artists you guys do. heard it. We just played it, and that's okay. But how do you not get it right? It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. I actually don't forgive them. They are unforgiven. They're unforgiven. Like I didn't mess up any lyrics on my cover songs. I may have changed some phrasing here and there. Which, which, all right. To be fair, we were able. We had the benefit of being in recording studios. Sure, and we sl- had multiple chances, <laughs> and they're doing it live. I understand nerves are high. They're in front of a thousand people, including Metallica. But God damn it, get it right. Get it right. Now then, they they segue from bells into Inner Sandman, and again, this is kind of the intro to Metallica coming out. And it, you know, it's cool. All right, it's under the banner of cool for me. It's all cool in the game. Sure, but I do gotta. I can't pretend that this is the Tom Quee in me. <laughs> this is getting scathing but the intro to inner salmon da 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 do do also sounds wimpy and lifeless and flat and shitty now when they come in on the big hook go 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 it sounds heavy it sounds great yeah. it, they just couldn't nail the they couldn't nail the details i mean and that's where the that's where it really matters the only thing it? i can i can imagine that any of these bands that fucked up lyrics or parts or whatever are thinking are 
okay, we got it down, we nailed it. And then they get on stage and they're playing Nerves. and they just turn their head to the left a little bit. Oh shit, there's Metallica. I maybe nerves. Maybe I, they got nervous. I understand it, right? But you wouldn't do that on a deck. Hey, listen. I'm I've, not going to go out on a deck and, the, and clam the fucking shit out of it and be like, well, I got nervous. That's what we do, dude. Hey, I'll say this. And I've talked about it on the show before. At one point in my life, I played the entire intro to Creeping Death with my band with Dave Mustaine 10 feet away watching me. And guess what? I nailed it. I tell you what, just thank God that he didn't have Twitter then. Oh my gosh. He'd be like, well, I'm sitting here watching this stupid ska band play my riff. Oh, it sounded better when I wrote At it in Panic. I royalties. I wrote Creeping Death in a Bunker when I was in a band called Panic. Tell that to the Reader's Digest. <laughs> Tell it to your fucking butt, Dave. God damn it. <laughs> I want to tweet that at him. Like, Tell it to your butt, dude. Shut up. <laughs> God damn. All right. Um, so the band walks out at this point. So Inner Sandman's kind of the intro music for the band to get introduced with the Brady Bunch thing. Yeah. And then the the screen goes up, and they're all there. Kirk, and it's exciting, Kirk's, right? Kirk's in like a fucking the white, all white, suit, looking good, looking looking I'm money. A fa- I'm a fan of Kirk's fashion. I loved his '90s pimp vibe. I loved his fucking leather pants. I loved his short, spiky hair. I loved the piercing in his chin. I loved his fucking guy liner. <laughs> I did. I, <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> you just told me. There's there, there's a couple fashion choices I'm not super into, but but it doesn't make me love Kirk any less. I like it a hell of a lot better than fucking Lars's bleach blonde, short Eminem hair. I didn't hate it. I liked it when it grew out a little bit. It was kind of like that frosted tips kind of look. You liked when Lars looked like Eminem. <laughs> Come on, dude. Eminem's good. He's great. Motherfucker. Eminem is one of the most. But legend- he's Eminem, not Lars Ulrich. No shit. I don't need Lars to look like fucking Eminem. <laughs> Man, I Eminem was, is a, Eminem is a living legend. Would you agree with that? Yes, living legend. Yes, I think so. Okay, cool. Yeah, in in the hip hop world, that dude living is fucking great. Legend. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do love. This is kind of the 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 last era of of Hetfield facial hair. Like his good mustache is still there. I know. I I, I thought that was really rednecky looking, but then at the time, but looking now, back, but now I miss it. It's bitching. Yeah, it's so awesome. Yeah, I miss it now. Um, they then they do the puppet solo. Valiant effort. He gets he gets close. It's close, but and, it's a little and, clammy. And that dude's a really good guitar player. Okay, okay well, I'll, well. I'll, I'll, I will say this: I can't play that solo. Fooled me. I think I'm. I think I'm a pretty good guitar you player. You can play that solo. The master puppet solo. You could play it. No, I can't. I know. I know that you can. I play mean, it. if maybe if I sat down and really hacked it out and just well, that's what shedding. you would do if you were fucking <laughs> tagged playing TV. Now, I would. I would. I would give this dude the lead guitar player in some forty one. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, uh, Dicky Dick, Dicky Dickhead, <laughs> Dicky fucked it up. I would TV. say if you're if you if you're anybody on that stage feeling any pressure by playing that shit in front of Metallica, it's playing a fucking fast ass lead that Kirk Hammett wrote in front of Kirk Hammett, and that shit's fast and your energy levels up, your adrenaline's going. It's like, but I thought I would give him like I'd give him like a C plus. These are supposed to be the best artists of the day, paying homage to the greatest metal band of all time. I what, do not give them a pass. What what grade would you give that lead for him? A B plus. A B plus? Yeah, B plus. Okay. I give him a C plus. I was I thought you were gonna give him like a D minus. Wait a minute. Wait oh, okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So I'm being harder on him. I, that's what I thought. Here's what you need to do. Let me tell you what you need. Here's the grade here's the grade you need to receive on your met, on your report card made of, literally made of metal. When you're playing MTV icon in front of Metallica. A 
plus. Anything less than A plus, fuck off. And he gets a B plus. Okay, okay. You like it, and you give it a C plus. Well, also something's gra- not adding up. I here. also graduated high school with a C minus average, so that sounds pretty good. I think I graduated with a C a C average also. Yeah, congrats, man. <laughs> We're sit. slacking it together. Love it. Look, hey, look where we are now. All right, so then the MTV icon intro sort of happens. There's like a. Um, uh, they started saying like on this program you're going to be seeing and they name a bunch of names that are like I had to like go look up. <laughs> you're like who's? Um... Well, they're like uh, uh, let me look at some of these names. <laughs> like Sh- Shannon Elizabeth, I could hardly remember. Uh, the Limp- uh, the um, West Scantlin, I had to look that up. Jillian Barbary, I had to look up Ian Robinson. I'm like who the fuck are these people? <laughs> this is Metallica. You know what it should be Bruce Dickinson, fucking Lemmy Kilmeister. Uh, Ozzy fucking Osbourne. Yeah. Tony Iommi. Yes. I, I'm just spitballing well, here. Either that or uh, all bands that were influenced by Metallica. I mean, obviously, like, there was, like, Rob Zombie was there. But, like... But how about at the time, like, Dave Grohl? Or, um, you know, any Dave other... Grohl, uh, fucking Corey Taylor. Corey Taylor would have been great. Corey Taylor would have been awesome. Yeah. Fucking... You know what? As much as I don't like this band, fucking M Shadows, put him in there. Oh, don't even fucking get me started. Cry, baby. I don't know. Were they abandoned? Oh, three? I have no idea. I don't follow that band at all. Oof. We have a lot of fans. You don't uh, follow Zacky Vengeance? Yeah, I'll follow him into my fucking butthole. <laughs> Tell it to Dave Mustaine's butthole. That's like a total Bart Simpson cut down. It like, is. Like, remember Eat My Shorts? Oh, yeah. That used course. to be a fucking brutal cut down, dude. Oh, yeah. Dude, hey, fuck you, man. Eat My Shorts. Like eat, eat, my, eat your shorts? Fuck what? you, bro! I'm not gonna do that. Snap! Uh, I was gonna say snap into a slim gym, but what was the Butterfinger one? Take, take a bite. What was the Butterfinger thing? Oh, uh, I'm thinking. No of... one lays a finger on my Butterfinger. That's right. Nailed it. There it is. Nailed it. All right, then. It, yeah, what the fuck is this? To really set the tone for sort of the bizarreness of the pop culture of the night, Lisa Marie Presley comes out like the 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 first presenter. Like, what was she doing then that was relevant? What has she ever done that's relevant except she fucked Michael Jackson? She was married to Michael Jackson. Um, True. Who knows? She definitely didn't fuck him. She just married him. Yeah. Um, She's Elvis' uh, daughter. Okay. Did she had a rock career? She was like a rock. She she had she had a career as a rock musician. Was it good? Negative. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but why is Lisa Marie Presley there? Like, maybe James is a big Elvis fan, so like, oh, let's get Lisa Marie. I, I, I've never heard I've him talk no, about Elvis. Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. I doubt he's an Elvis fan. And she kind of seems like she's on something, like some pills or something. She seems kind of fucked up. Yes, she does. Yeah. Um, she says, I want to honor a band that's real good, real honest, and real loud. And real loud. I'm like, have you ever... Like, what I thought when I saw that, I was like, she's never listened to Metallica. Yeah. Not that they're not those things, but it, it was just so like scripted. My thought was, name me five Metallica songs that aren't on the black uh, the, uh Hi, I'm Lisa Marie. This band's real good, real metallic. <laughs> Real loud, real shiny, real neat. There's four of them. I uh, think there. Some of them. One of them is named ja- Jim. One of them plays. The, one of them plays drum. Uh, Larry plays drums. <laughs> Larry and uh, um, and I think his name is a uh, Keith on guitar. You know what? Let's do. Let's play her intro because it's too yeah, weird. We it's too weird to hear. It. To play. We have to hear it. Welcome to MTV Icon Metallica. <laughs> Tonight we honor a band that's real, real good, real honest, and real loud.
For more than 20 years, they've kept the faith with their fans selling nearly 90 million albums in the process. They've survived fame and fashion and come out of the other side of it alive and well and still kicking ass. Tonight we're going to hear Metallica's songs and get their inside story like you've never heard it before. So let's take a look. Well, there you go. Decide for you. Judge for yourselves, listeners. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do like about the show is it's, it's sort of structured through chapters. Well, yeah, Which I thought was an interesting way to do it because you're having to. So the program's basically 90 minutes with commercials. You're having to get all these performances in. But you also. The show is very much tailored to people who might not know the band. Right. So well, you're I introducing like the band. The kind of documentary stuff. You're and, having to tell the story of the band. Yes. Now, what they. What they like. So, chapter one, they entitled Disposable Heroes. And what I think was smart, and this was probably Q Prime, is they were like, we got to deal with Jason leaving immediately. Yeah. We're going to tell the story of this band, which obviously goes back to 1981, but what we need to really do to contextualize this thing is we got to talk about Jason leaving. And I, to, I admire yeah. that. It works. Well, especially if you're introducing Rob for the first time. And it's interesting, you know, like there's a lot of footage of Jason, of uh, James, uh, actually James, Lars, and Jason yeah. talking about what the problems were. Jason wanted to take a year off. He, They talk about how the other guys in the band decided to get married and have families. And Jason famously has said, my music was, were my children. Right. Yeah. So while they're all sort of taking these extended breaks and spending time with their families, he's like, I needed to go make music. Yeah. Which I, I resonate with that. Yeah, Of course. Yeah. So he had his precious echo. The more I look at echo, Brain, I'm like, you echo brains like the Yoko Ono of Metallica. <laughs> right. It kind of, so yeah. I sort of resent them. Like we have fans writing like, if you guys check out echo Brain, you might like it. I'm like, I'm, I'm a bit avoiding it because they're like a, they're like a witch. They're like the witch who opens the door yeah. on the wolf. <laughs> true. I, I have. <laughs> you said true. Oh, true. That's that's true. Uh, it's so true. That's such a that's great fact. image. Um, no, I, I've checked out Echo Brain, and it's just not. It's not my slice of pizza. I can't can't hang. Well, this is where we get the great sort of quips about Jason. Lars says Jason. The, he says the thing that Jason wanted the most, ironically, is what we have now: a more democratic system. Yeah, everyone's writing, everyone's involved, and he talks about. He sort of famously says Jason was the sacrificial lamb. Yeah, it's sad, you know. By the way, I love in the notes you printed out. He's the sacrificial lamp. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was typing these so fast while I was watching. Yeah. Sorry, oh, don't, it's going to be Typo City. I love typos. It makes it makes for a good joke. James talks about how they grieved through Jason. I thought that was pretty articulate. Yeah. Um, he said they wanted to toughen him up the way that they were. Obviously, saying this retrospectively, saying we did it wrongly. Right. Yeah. Of course. We could have done it better. Um, and just my thought watching that was like, you know, all the guys are sitting in the room watching that. Had to have been hard to watch. I mean, sure, surely they all they all saw that th- those edited clips together beforehand. Maybe I I thought that too. I thought even, maybe even, they had to approve it. But even if they did, still watching it as you're filming in front of a big audience in an arena or wherever they were, not an arena, but like a big room. Um, it still had to have been in the moment, kind of like wow. That's well, crazy. kind of like an award show, they filmed them during commercial breaks. Yeah. And then they showed what they filmed. And they actually filmed James after that. And it's kind of loose. Everyone's walking around, kind of like at Golden Globes. Everyone's mm-hmm. walking around. And he's like, James actually says that that was hard to sit through. He said, you know, a, a lot of heavy emotions going on. It was still, you know, fresh, super fresh, fresh, fresh. wound, man. 
Um, when they play the chorus of I Disappear. I just thought, because they, I've never really thought about it in this way. I'm sure many of our listeners have. But they put the lyrics up too. And yeah. this is while they're talking about Jason. And he says, do you teach me while, uh, he says, do you bury me when I'm gone? Do you teach me while I'm here? Just as soon as I belong, it's time I disappear. And that just, I've never thought of that lyric in terms of Jason. Yeah. And then I thought, it, it just... Well, it's also like the last track he played on. It's the it's, last, it's his last thing. Yeah. And I don't think, I think they were really writing that song in earnest for Mission Impossible. Sure, yeah. That was kind of just like a gig. Right. Or it was like a, um, a commission or whatever. Yeah, but of course. Like most things, and James actually talks about this later when he talks about rehab and stuff, he talks about how, and you and I have probably done this, you write a song about one thing or like one immediate thing right in front of your face, right? Yep. And then sort of later you realize it was really about like Brad Lyons, the guy that does single podcast theory. Yeah. When we were, um, when I got divorced, I lived with Brad in my mid twenties and we decided we're big Flannery O'Connor fans. She was a Southern Gothic writer. Right. And we were like, Oh, let's do a whole project where we write songs based on every short story. We'll write a song. And like her, 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 um, her short stories are all about like, religion and politics and culture and life and family and all the shit. And I would just read a short story, distill it, write a song about it. And we yeah. had a band called the green leaves. And I realized way later that everything I wrote for the green leaves, which was just about her short stories yeah. was really all about my divorce. Wow. Had crazy. no, had no idea when I was doing it. Yeah. So, so you're saying that maybe like, you know, whether it was this night or years down the road, maybe James looked back on those lyrics and went like, wow, maybe that was about Jason. I maybe I know that all within my hands had a lot of Jason stuff in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 sure there's other stuff that maybe none of us as Metallica fans even know about that only James could tell you that is about Jason. You know, there has to be something on Saint Anger or whatever that is because that that was a that was something fresh that happened. Right. It was like they were still dealing with it and still processing it as Rob's coming in and stuff. So well, and one of the things that makes me so sad, and we talked about it in our in both of our some kind of monster uh, episodes, right? And you can really see this reading between the lines in Joe Berlinger's book, "This Monster Lives," right? Is there's almost a sense of so it all blew up. It blew up very violently. Mm -hmm. Jason said in this MTV icon, he said the guy I respected the most disrespected me the most and it became this whole principal thing i gotta leave he won't let me do this thing blah 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 yeah and it seems like right after that they had a lot of clarity he's like oh i i held him too close i didn't want him to go and i i clinched the thing i loved yeah it's like there's just that window that closes we're like you guys but you guys can still be in a band you guys can just say you're sorry just say you're sorry too late oh it's over yeah forever forever have you ever been in that situation um, have you ever had a window closed that way where it's like avoidable, avoidable, but the trains of the station trains, and then you, you say or do things that are just irreversible and then that's just the story of you? I don't think so. I don't think I've had that happen I, to I've me. I've never dealt with that either. But I don't know if I believe that, it, that it's fully over for Jason and Metallica. Not that he's ever going to rejoin the band. But... At this point, I don't think he should, you know? Like, no, I know no, that no, we joked not. on our new set episode, but like living with all this so intensely for all this time. I, yeah. I think Rob's a guy. Like, Rob's a guy... Sure, of course. ...to ride into the sunset with. But I mean, like, you know, Metallica and Jason could still do something together where they do, like, a Injustice for All anniversary show or something, and he comes yeah, out and, and he plays. did the 30th anniversary shit. Yeah, that's great. And, yeah. You know what? The good thing is Jason Newstead is not on Twitter right now complaining about how he used to be in Metallica. Yeah, you know why? He's not a douchebag. He's also not on any social media anymore, which good for him. 
he's probably happier than all of us. I guarantee he is. If you follow his wife on Instagram, I do. Dude, she posted something that was just so beautiful the day. I, th- I think one of the, their daughter got married or something. Mm. It's a picture of Jason hugging, I assume, their daughter. I could be wrong. I don't think he has any kids. Oh, so maybe it's a nephew or niece or something? Okay. Either way, it's like Jason hugging somebody. It's clearly like at a wedding. Okay. And it was like, hold on to the ones you love kind of thing. Oh, cool. And I, was, I, I remember seeing it going like, oh, man, that's yeah, so that's sweet. Nice. Um, Whatever. We'll move on here with the show. But. Well, the next thing which I would consider a, a real low light is Aaron Lewis doing Nothing Else Matters. Uh, first of all, guitars are out of tune. Let's listen. So close, no matter how far Couldn't be much more from the heart Forever trust in who we are And nothing else matters Never open myself this way. Life is ours, we live it our way. All these words I don't just say, and nothing else matters. Trust I seek and I find in you. Um, this is real rough. First of all, I'm not a Stain fan. Second of all, I'm not an Aaron Lewis fan. I don't like his voice. He always sounds like, eh, poor Agre- me. Agree. I'm Agreed. so sad today. Even, even when it was happening, I remember it, I was in, I was a junior or senior in high school. Yeah. And it was the Break the Cycle record. I'm on the outside. I'm fucking boring. <laughs> I just remember being like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Even, even emo bands think this is too sad. I like sad. But I like good sad. I like creative sad. I like well thought out sad. Stain I like Radiohead sad. I like I like yeah. Morrissey sad. I like the Cardigans Long Gone Before Daylight sad. Oh my god, that's not communication. Oh, so good. Um, let's actually highlight that record just briefly. The Cardigans. If you long like, gone if before, you like good music, the, the Cardigans. The, car, the Cardigans. Love Fool was Loveful, the big yeah, single. It was but, on the but, Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, which is fine. Huge, but 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 don't worry about that song. They did a record that flew under the radar called "Long Gone Before Daylight." It's perfect. That is an amazing record. It's perfect. All right, cool. There's not one track skipper. The lyrics are amazing. The tones are amazing. The uh, structure's it, it's amazing. It's a beautiful hour long piece of art. Oh. Go check it out. I highly recommend uh, listening to it late at night by yourself with headphones on. Laying down with your eyes closed, like you're just laying on your couch, shut your eyes, listen to the damn record. Just wearing an adult diaper, just peeing, peeing the bed. Oh, it'll just it, pee the bed. It's a great experience. <laughs> that warmth will encapsulate you. <laughs> well, first it's warm, then it's a little cold, it's a little cold, then, then it's, it's itchy, <laughs> then you get you develop a rash. Right. Um, I I, th- I think this is boring. First of all, they boring. they skip the intro because they can't play it. Dun, dun, Either, well, da, da, da. The only thing I, I could maybe give them is that everyone kind of just shortened versions of these Which songs. Which I, by the way, but why would you not do the? Da, 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 da. I can tell you it's why not they. That I, long. I can tell you why they didn't do it because they can't do it. I will say when I when I watched Aaron Lewis because he, he's playing just the open E minor. Mm-hmm. The dude can barely finger pick. He uses his thumb for every string. Which is insane. Right. So what you should do is... It's your thumb for the bass notes. Thumb for the bass notes, and then either your index and middle or index, middle, and ring for the higher ones. For the G, B, and E string. Right. He just... 
the, it's a real the guitars sleepy, are out of tune it's a real each other. sleepy shitty boring terrible version it's pretty bad uh i understand that they had to truncate a lot of these versions for sure. yeah. for the sake of for the format of the te- tv but it really it really neuters the songs i mean it it takes a lot of power out of the songs and so yeah it's almost like do it right or don't do it you know that that's a theme yeah. for me for a lot of this all right uh chapter two ushers in um for whom the bell tolls and i wanted to play a little bit of uh this clip sure when you are left with nothing all you do is speculate if metallica ceased to exist what would i do did i have enough things in my life that could fill that void we became masters of speculating ourselves into the darkest, blackest place possible. Rehab was kind of like the last ditch effort. If all else fails, that will work. And I was afraid to test that. What if it doesn't work? James Hetfield was forced to confront his demons during a hunting trip in Russia. I was in Siberia, in the middle of nowhere. We're in this chicken shack, four feet of snow with Russians, and they all have AK-47s and uh, vodka. There was nothing to do for a week except sit there and drink. It just felt like a coffin almost for me. Then when I came home, the behavior continued and it it, it just spun out of control. I was ripping my family apart. There was some ultimatums, you know, being thrown out of the house. It took that for me to realize what a problem it was and, you know, what I could lose with it. I thought this was interesting because uh, I'm actually surprised, actually, in this whole thing of how frank they are about their struggles. I mean, they'd already made the film, I guess. The film hadn't come out, but they'd already... They knew they were on this journey of exposing themselves. Right, yeah. But, I mean, at this point in their career, they, they've already been in the public eye known as Alcoholica and all these things. You well, know? Kirk, Kirk even says that he can't remember most of the Kill em All tour because <laughs> they were just <laughs> drinking so much. I'm sure they were, yeah. Um, and this is what, this is in the segment where James talks about what we mentioned earlier, but the lyrics actually being a little bit more personal than he realized yeah, at the time. Totally. And Kirk talks about how the, you know they, they thought when he went into rehab they thought it would be twelve weeks turned into nine months yeah quite a bit so then we get Shannon Elizabeth famous from uh, the American Pie movies yep or movie was she in all of them I don't, who knows? I think I think she was in all or she's, most of them she, she's yeah. the quote unquote token hot chick that the guy masturbates into a pie over yes and talk the, about a movie that is not aged well. I think the first one is still funny. The really? very first one. If you if you want stupid sl- kind of slapstick dumb comedy, it's it's I'll say this. When you're on tour and it's 3 in the morning and you can't sleep and it's on some random movie channel, you can watch it and you'll laugh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. I, I actually am literally often in that situation. Yeah, me too. Well, I'll put it in and we'll we'll test your theory. Oh, yeah, last time that happened for me on tour, I was texting Clint at the 2 in the morning because I was watching Friday the 13th part Six and seven, I think. Now that's a movie. Of course, yeah. The new chapter? Or no, it was, sorry, it was seven and eight, it was Jason Takes Manhattan. Takes Manhattan, that's eight. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that. He punches a guy's head off. Oh, he definitely does, yeah. Yeah. And they're in Manhattan for about ten minutes. Most of the movie is them kind of getting there on a boat. 95% of the movie is them getting to Manhattan. And then they finally get there. But you gotta understand, dude, when you were on that ride, and all of it pretty much takes place at Camp Crystal Lake, like out, out in this, for him... To go to a fucking bustling city like Manhattan was so thrilling, and like, so why not show more of it? Well, because I don't think they could realize the pre- the premise was that, or maybe the budget wasn't big enough right, for the permits like, to film like, there. Like they couldn't really flesh the premise out. Sure, yeah. They're like, we'll just do like six six of the eight kills required in a slasher film. Yeah, we'll be on a boat, and then when he gets there, 
we'll do a terrible kill where he just punches a dude's head off. Oh my gosh, so that's good. awful. Awful and good. Well, it's it's, it's it's awfully good. Years later, it turned out to be great. Of course, yeah. So Shannon Elizabeth comes out, and she so she's introducing Avril. She turns into this kind of girl power thing, like which is cool. Uh, well, I, it's kind of cool. I liked it because yes, Metallica is, real... is, is known for having male fans. But I, the one thing I did like that she said, she was just like something about like you know what, like Metallica means a lot to us females too. Yeah, cool. I thought that was awesome. It's something that I, I I never really took that for granted. So for me, it felt like okay, well, like I I always knew a lot of chicks that liked Metallica. See, I barely knew any girls that liked Metallica really? growing up. Yeah, most of my like metal loving friends in junior high and high school like were dudes. There was maybe one or two girls that liked liked Metallica, and if that girl showed up in, at school with a fucking damaged Justice shirt on, it was like. You're now the hottest girl. In the overall message to me is like, "Hey, women like Metallica too." I'm all all on board with it, of course. Yeah, but she comes out and she's basically like, "I'm known as the hot chick that the guy masturbated into the into the pie about." This is about strong women who like hard rock. <laughs> it just kind of felt flat to me in terms okay, of like I get, I get we're going to make a, an actual feminist statement. I'm right. Like, all right, whatever. Avril comes out now. I'm going to go ahead and say this. You know what? Let's listen real quick. Let's okay. listen to Avril and do Fuel. Let's do it. Boys in Metallica have always appealed to many of their own mankind. The truth is that women are just as moved by their sound. And now, I'm thrilled to introduce a small woman who rocks big. To burn on fuel from Metallica's Reload album, let's hear it for Avril Lavigne! Give me fuel, give me fuel! This is my favorite performance of the whole thing. It's your favorite one? I think that her band sounds great. I think she sounds great. Drummer does some, his kick drum, uh, double kick is on point. It's 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 the most faithful performance of the whole night to the original <clears throat> material. I, I would agree. Yeah. You know what I, I, I kind of would uh, would have wished with her performance is, so she already raises the key of the song up higher. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. yeah did you, did it, you watch it with a guitar in your hand? No, I could, I, I could just tell. I'm just that trained. Fucking Mozart over here. <laughs> Damn. Um... No, but uh, I wish it was higher. I felt I felt like she still sang a little too low. Not it, it, she, yeah. sang, she sounded good. Yeah, cause she could have ramped. Yeah, because at one point she went up and was like, "Give me fuel, give me fire." 
in saying higher. I was right. like, oh, go in that register the whole time. But you know what might have been smart about kind of keeping it safe is that she was able to just really nail it. Yeah. Like, unlike, I think, every other performer, they struggled at some point with... I'll say this. You know what I learned doing the EP? James's vocals are very, very hard to emulate. Yes. And I know that we didn't really do a big emulation thing. We sort of did a reimagining. But course, even yeah. then, like, to really deconstruct those songs... Oh, I'm boring you. <laughs> no, it's... Um, Yanni McYonerson over here. Oh my gosh. Okay, by the way. Uh, Tell is, you what. No, no, hang on. I'm not talking to Claire right now. I'm talking to the listeners right now. So currently right now we're recording this episode. It's 11.46 p.m. on a Thursday night. I uh, had been up since six and been in the studio for eight and a half hours today. Oh yeah, I guess I slept all day. Clint slept all day and casually stopped by the studio to let his kid run around me babysit. Um, and... <laughs> I'm just yawning, dude. I'm I'm getting I'm Yanni. You're Yanni now. Oh my god, I'm Yanni. Holy it shit. It finally happened. It's all making sense now. It finally happened. I have happened. like DVDs out and shit. Wow. You're gonna play like a piccolo flute on a mountain now. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna do that. No, we're both tired. It has been a long day. It's been I, a long I will day. say there was moments today in the studio where I was talking to Matthew and Paul and Nova just disappeared. I'm like, uh, I hope she's okay. And then I would go and like you were just you were totally like this babysitter. Oh, I was daycaring it up, man. I was fine. I'm good. I love kids, man. Kids love me. We're no, you time. yawned. It's cool. Uh, you haven't yawned while you've been talking, but you're saving the yawns for when I talk. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I apologize. Lars does air drum along to it. I, you know, I... He's like, yeah, that's my part. Yep. But you know, Lars was into a lot of this, even like the Limp Biscuit shit. He was a dude... When you see the guys sitting, you know... They right, mostly showed him. And it mostly makes showed you wonder him, if... He's, Lars, a, he's always leaning really far forward, like into it, like looking at the band, like watching what they're doing. I think Lars loved the idea that p- current pop artists were playing yes, their shit. Yes. Whereas maybe James is more a little bit more like, yeah, whatever, which I kind of like more. I don't know if he was yeah whatever. I think he was digging it, but he he also might have been what you uh, thinking what you were saying earlier was like, really guys, you messed up the lyrics. Well, you know what he said, and this is like pre <laughs> pre hashtag Me Too shit. Yeah, but they're getting his thoughts on Avril's performance, like sort of the um, commercial break type candid footage. Right. Yeah. And he's like, huh? It was like pretty interesting hearing a girl sing my lyrics. Yeah. You'd be fucking crucified for saying that now. Why can't a girl sing your lyrics? Girls can do everything boys can do. Ah. Uh, Maybe, yeah, maybe nowadays, I don't know. But, I mean, I'd imagine back then it was like maybe he hadn't heard a female take on fuel. No, I I, I agree with him. I thought it, I thought it was interesting yeah, I don't, to hear I don't, that. I don't, think he's, I don't think he's knocking her. No, I don't either. Point. I'm just saying we, we live in sort of a triggered culture. Sure, of course. Where I, yeah. I think I think you'd be criticized more for a sentiment like that. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, it's interesting hearing, hearing a chick sing fuel. I wrote it from a very male perspective. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. It just seems like um, a more delicate time. Yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, talk about a highlight to a total fucking shit fest. And I'm a Snoop Dogg fan. So am I. Snoop Dogg yeah, I'm doing... i from fucking Long Beach. I'm which, which, by the way, prescient title, Sad But True. Let's hear Snoop Dogg do Sad But All True. Right. Chill. Big Snoop Dogg up in here. To rock out on y'all one time. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I want y'all to sing this right here. If you know the words to this right here, put your hands in the air. Come on, sing along with me. Come on, y'all. Hey, hey, I'm your life. I'm the one who takes you there. 
Can I say that... What do you think? Do you like it? It's not my least favorite. But All right, but it's not great, I right? don't love it. I don't hate it. I hate it. It's To me, it's a very Snoop Dogg. He's kind of singing. He's kind of rapping. He's just doing that Snoop kind of like way behind the beat flow. And he's having trouble. He is kind of having trouble. That song needs... Hey, I'm your life. I'm the one who takes you there. He is kind of way behind yeah, but it. If you're Snoop Dogg, you're not going to go, hey, I'm your life. Well, I'm not saying I'm do the, rain- <laughs> the reading rainbow version that I just did. You could make it cool. Don't make me try to impersonate Snoop Dogg singing to the beat. No, I, I don't. I, He's I don't, a fucking rapper. He can sing to a beat. I don't think this is this is the highlight of the show. I, 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 however, <laughs> I, I do think. Hey, really? It's not the highlight, huh? I don't huh? think so. Okay. No, but I, I, I really do, uh, being a fan of hip hop and especially like Southern California stuff, you know. I mean, Welcome to the Doghouse was in constant rotation when I was a kid. Lottie Dottie was one of my favorite songs when I was a kid. Fucking doggy style. Um, Murder Was a Case. Great song. His shit on nothing but a G thing, dude. Oh my God. Yeah. No. It, so. I got a pocket full of rubbers and my homeboys do too. <laughs> that's I just that's pre Me Too he, shit. He too. is way, way, way behind the beat, but. And he's real pitchy he when he tries seems, to sing. He's not a singer. He's not a singer. But, but he is trying to sing. How about adding I this? Li- I, I like that he was just, you can tell he was stoked to be there. He was stoned to be there? He was stoned to be there. Definitely stoned to be For there. Sure. But he was stoked to be there. He had his dude, which is his uncle, the guy like in the suit carrying the little like goblet. That's his uncle. Carrying the goblet? He's got a little gold goblet. Oh my God. I kind of dug it, man. How about that? How about when he's adding the uh, bounce, bounce, bounce? That's fucking hip hop, dude. And the end, he fucking adds biatch. I love it. <laughs> down. I'm so down. I don't think he is a very versatile artist. I think, I think in his domain, he's a master. Sure, yeah. And he's made records that as long as people care about hip-hop, he is a master. I think when he's trying to... Ho- it, to me, it's as silly, yeah. and I'll, I'll put this on our own terms. To me, it's as silly as if James tried to do fucking gin and juice. Mm. All right? It's, it's that silly to me. Sipping on gin and juice. Ah. Ooh, gin. Laid back. Ah. Okay, so you think maybe James can do it? Oh my God! Well, I'm th- yeah, now that we've well, done this, money, my money, my mind. Give me gin, give me juice. Exactly. With my mind, my money, my money, my mind, sung to the tune of "Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire." Give me gin, give me juice, give me that which I desire. Ooh, gin. <laughs> All right. All right. Moving on. So then we get the chapter three, which they've entitled "Seek and Destroy." I had to look Jolene Blaylock up. Who is she? You know, I, having said that, I looked it up. I can't remember. <laughs> Fair I, enough. I honestly don't remember. More importantly, Rob Zombie. Her and Rob Zombie, they talk about how they're basically just, they they kind of have to say a thing before they introduce a segment. So Rob Zombie talks about how everything it, sucked before Metallica. Right. And then he's like backpedaled. He's like, well, the well, crowd started booing a little bit. He's like, okay, okay. Black well, Sabbath. Sabbath <laughs> yeah, we had Sabbath and Motorhead. Um, but then they sort of, this is the clip where they sort of look back at Kill 'Em All, how it all began. Right, yeah. Old dickhead Mustang gets a mention. You know, they finally mentioned me in MTV Icon, <laughs> but they didn't invite me. I'm an icon. 
You know what? When I look in the mirror, you know what I see? A goddamn icon. Yeah. Who should be on MTV? Sweating Bullets is on, heavily rotated on MTV. Is? <laughs> Currently. Yeah. In between Team Mom 2 and Team Mom 6. <laughs> Turn on MTV right now. It's Sweating Bullets is on. <laughs> nice video. Um... Uh, it's kind of them talking about the kill them all days and they, they yeah. about how it began. They talk about how like they sort of th- their their mission was to b- ride into a town, pillage, play. Yeah, they talk about the like what was going play. on in the eighties and like the spandex and fucking. Lars says they were, they were anti Motley Crew. Yeah, which thank God. Well, remember the whole deal back in the day, back when Mustaine was in the band. I mean, they they would talk about glam, which was gay LA metal, right? You know, that was their 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 acronym for. You know, it, one but, interesting thing I did learn from this segment today. Kirk talks about how when they made the record, when they made Kill Em All in Upstate New York with Johnny Zazula, that after him and Cliff finished their parts, they took a Greyhound together all the way back to San Francisco. Three days. Crazy. Just the two of them. Just, just the hanging. two of them, yeah. That's and he cool. said And he said that they all they had was booze, so they actually took booze on the Greyhound. <laughs> Amazing. Of course but they But he did. says they would sit there and talk about, that was really fun. We just made our first record. What's our next record going to sound like? What's our third record going to sound like? Yeah. Like they were already talking about Oh, uh, here we go again. As Yanni he- McYannison. <laughs> here we go again. Ethan's yawning again. Playing the piccolo flute on Gosh, a mountain. it's late. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, but that would have been a, a really cool experience for the two of them because Cliff is probably also you know trying to get to know Kirk even better. He's new to the band. Yeah. Hey, you know? are you? hopefully you're not a psychopath like the guy that had your job before. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, sitting there just hypothetically talking about like, wow, that sounds great. What about our next one and our yeah. next one? It's cool that they were already thinking ahead too. Yeah, like, for sure. Awesome. You know, you know, Cliff was. You know, Cliff just had so much inside of him. Obviously, that we saw in Ride the Lightning, mm-hmm. the jump, yeah. the jump from Kilmore to Ride the Lightning, as we've talked about many times. I mean, I can't imagine like what Cliff in his spare time after recording Master of Puppets before his death was sitting around writing. Stuff, oh, stuff that no one will ever hear. Yeah, totally. It wasn't demo that was just in his head that he would play on the bass or on, on a guitar Ready to bring to the table. Oh, my God. I'm sure there was some great stuff. Yeah. Um, like, they, they, they talk about alienating fans for the video for one, which back then was a big deal. Well, James talks about how a fan spit on him. Yeah. They made a video. I would kill that motherfucker. One video. And it was a badass video. You betrayed me. You put cameras in front of you and lip-synced. You... You promised us you'd never do that. Uh, no, we didn't. Well, it's like, I. we talked a lot at the beginning of the show about how music has saved our lives. Yeah. And, um, a very deep connection we have with it. We're, it's, it's, it's almost just part of my blood, right? Sure, yeah. John Sturm called it lifeblood. Now, having said that, I can't imagine spitting on an artist for making an artistic decision that I disagree with. Or, let's think about the fact that Metallica has always wanted to get their music to as many people as possible. And guess what? Here's an album to do it. Now they, why not uh, keep in mind that they re- they maybe not resisted, but from the time they the year after they started Metallica, MTV became a thing. Right? Is eighty two MTV? Eighty three. It was eighty three. So, okay, so, so the year of the first, uh, basically a year and a half, because eighty one yeah. October of eighty one. Right. So for their first three albums, they could have made a video. Maybe yeah, they're, they're not hardcore enough for some people, or, or maybe there wasn't the format on MTV to play them until Headbangers Ball or things like that, or one hundred twenty minutes or anything like that. Well, I, I agree. Like that, that's a reasonable explanation. Sure, but, but how they, about but the they f- could have done it? But how about the fact that they fucking changed their minds? Get over it. Who cares? They changed their minds. Yeah. On the principle. 
Maybe they did one time say, while MTV had already happened, MTV happens in 83, Ride the Lightning comes out in 84, and they say, we're never going to fucking do that. Fast yeah. forward to 1988, and they're like, um, we're going to do that now. You can change your fucking mind. Yes, you can. Well, you, you also have to look at the landscape of the videos back then, too. It was There was nothing like Metallica being played. Well, they talk about how they were they were sort of down on it. Yeah. But then when they, it was actually Q Prime that came to them with the idea of interspersing the Johnny Got His Gun film. Yeah. And and actually making a video that no one had ever seen before, where they interspersed all this like footage of a film. Yeah. It was that cool. Tied into the song. So they said, hey, here's a way we can be commercial, play ball, reach more people, and also do something no one's ever done before. Yeah. In other words, the Metallica fucking playbook. Yep. Scare the shit out of me. Loved it. I don't have a lot of patience for fans that are like, they, people imposing their own personal philosophies on what this band should do. Right, yeah. The band's going to do what they do. We trust them. We get on the ride. If you need to get off the ride, hop off. A fan spitting on James? That's pretty fucked up. Fuck for making off. a video. What What would that, what, what would that fan have done if it wasn't the one video, if after Master of Puppets, it was Reload? That guy would have. Don't even get me. Started. He probably would have killed himself or something. Good, get him but. out of the gene pool. <laughs> All right. Uh, then we get Travis Barker and Chester, Chester Bennington uh, talking yeah, about Travis is a little awkward. You can tell he's not comfortable on a mic and stuff, but he still speaks from the heart because I know that dude's a Metallica fan. Let's has take been for a, a listen time. to it because it is interesting to hear. Yeah. Please welcome Lincoln Park's Chester Bennington and Blink 182's Travis Barker. When I was a kid growing up, Metallica influenced me in uh, a whole bunch of ways. Um, when I was 13, you know, I got my first Master of Puppets CD and I got challenged to like learn the whole thing on drums and uh, it changed my life. I don't know. Metallica's the sh <laughs> Thank you. You know, uh, Metallica's a really important band, you know, not only to me and Travis, but I think really in the history of rock and roll, you know, they're a very important and, and meaningful band. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to pull off a song that's got a lot of melody and a lot of soul and a lot of heart, you know, and, uh, and at the time to make it a really hard metal song. And they did that with one. It does come from the heart. It does strike me immediately that Chester is way more um, articulate, eloquent. Yeah. I, 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 I think I just kind of gathered that, like, Travis, at the time, Blink-182 was fucking massive. And maybe it wasn't necessarily like the spokesperson for the band. It was usually Tom and Mark. Right. Um, but he was this face that everyone knew now. So I, 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 I kind he, of always looks uncomfortable. I kind of always felt like he was the most popular guy in Blink-182. I don't know why. No, no. I, I think over time he, he became that. Became I mean, he, sort of a... I mean, how many drummers can have a successful solo career playing with DJs or whatever? He, he just always had... Even when people made fun of that band, he always had respect. Like... It was like, you can make fun of Blink-182. Because he's a badass fucking drummer. Right. Like he yeah. just, but somehow that came through. Like, There's a lot of bands that have excellent musicians, but if the main... like, Who knows if the drummer of Nickelback is this fucking Travis Barker type guy. Right. He just never came through. Mm -hmm. But it did make me... I was never a Linkin Park fan, but it did today watching it again make me like, oh, I miss that guy. Like, Yeah, man. What a sweet, smart dude. Dude, there's some... There, you know, I've, I've never been a huge Linkin Park fan, but they've got a couple records. Actually, the record that Rick Rubin did is fucking great. Um, th is that the one with a, I felt so hot and that's a fall. 
In the end, doesn't even matter. Uh, In the end, that was a huge hit. That was like the first record, run. I think. That was Meteora, I think. No, the first record had. Uh, that's uh, one step close to the edge. I'm about to break. Yeah, no, that th- this in the in, end was later. Was it? Am I going crazy here? Uh, unrelated, yes. Unrelated, unrelated yes. This, but Ethan yes. is going crazy. I'm going to do a little quick, quick little fact check as we're talking about Icon here. I don't know what else to say while you're looking <laughs> it up. Um, you just can, look up in the end. You can talk. Lincoln Park in the end. Uh, we, I'll talk more about Lunar Satan. <laughs> just talk about Lunar Satan, and that's all you need to. Uh, I really do. don't know what else to say about it. The record I'm thinking of is Minutes to Midnight. With the, with the big hit was the One Step Closer. That was their big single, the first single. No, one Step Closer to the Edge. I'm about to break. That's the that's that was their first big single. Right. I'm talking about a song called In the End. Yes. I very beautifully sang it just now. Hang on, hang on. I'm going to get to it here. That was a later record. Discography. You know we have listeners who are big Linkin Park fans who are just fucking pulling Right now they're like, out. oh my God, it's this. Sorry, guys. All right. it's No, it's not on that record. I know. I is, it my, it was. is it my turn to yawn? No, I'm saying that that record was later. I thought that was the Rick Rubin oh, one. Not Meteor. No, no, Meteor, I think, is that one that has in the end. The first record I was thinking of was Hybrid Theory. That's the Rick Rubin one? Meteora has Somewhere I Belong, Faint, Numb, From the Inside, Breaking the Habit. Breaking the Habit was a bitchin' song. I'm talking about a song called In the End. On? I told you, it was on Hybrid Theory. I was right. The Rick Rubin one? No. Their first record. Hybrid Theory is their first record? Yes. No. That was massive. One Step Closer, Crawling. Paper Cut and In the End were the big singles. In the End is on their first record? Yes. Wow. In the end, it doesn't even matter. It was a very like futuristic video. Oh, yeah. But uh, Minutes to Midnight, here, look, there's the cover. Okay. That's a rad record. You should check it all out. All right. Okay. We're all learning something new today. Yeah. Lincoln Park, everybody. So what they end up doing is they introduce Korn, who play the song One. How'd you feel about this? Uh, let's take a listen and we'll talk about it. Okay.
Yikes. Oh, you're down on it? Um, uh, First of all, okay, I like that they play um, the war tape. Sure, of course. Well, that yeah. was cool. Yeah. Um, The intro guitar... The chorusy gonga gonga that works pretty good. You can't hear um, uh, what's his name head the stage right dude. There's head and fieldy and uh, jingy. Who? Are, what are they all called? Uh, Jonathan Davis. <laughs> Jonathan Davis. Fieldy. Fieldy. The bass player. Head and jingy. <laughs> <laughs> jingy. Who's the other guy? Jingy. <laughs> Jambo. Uh, Rambo. Why am I blinking? Because uh, it's dumb. Uh, there's Brian Headwelch. Uh, monkey. Monkey. That's it. Jingy. Monkey. <laughs> J- jingy, that's right. My friend Bob Schneider. Honestly, that's why I was saying jingy. I was not kidding. My friend Bob Schneider has a song called Jingy that's about a monkey. A monkey <laughs> named Jingy. There you go. Um, so when Head plays the initial Kirk solo, bad job audio team. You can't hear it. Yeah, it's real it's low. It's really low. Well, here, here's my third He note. also didn't play it right. Well, that's a hallmark of this whole goddamn yes. show, Ethan. He missed multiple notes. And and it's not a hard solo How to play. How do you not get if it you're, right? If you are a capable guitar player, right. this intro, the intro solo to one is not a hard solo God to play. God damn it. I learned that solo after maybe, let's see, three years after learning guitar. Here's Here, here are my first three notes. All right, first note. I like the tape intro of the war. Yeah. Second note, intro guitar sounds good. Third note, I can't stand Jonathan Davis's voice or his stupid goddamn mic stand. <laughs> that thing kind of sucks. But it's the um, it's the H.R. Geiger. It's the artist who did the alien shit. Yes, it is. Yeah, which I love all that. Which, like that's cool. But I get it. He's a sci-fi horror guy. He had the artist who did. He had H.R. Geiger actually make a stand. Yeah, I love the idea, but I hate the fucking mic stand, and I hate that. I hate that it's weird. I hate that that's just his stupid fucking thing. Like him wearing kilts and shit. Yeah. I don't, mind, I don't mind the kilts. I don't mind kilts. I just hate that that's his gimmick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought at least he his pitch was all right during the song. He messed up lyrics. Um, the, the solo wasn't correct on the intro. Um, the bridge sounds good. That yeah. You know who the highlight in corn was for me? Was his, with the fucking drummer. The machine gun part, I will say, um, I don't know if we played the whole clip or just some of it, but um, it wasn't perfect. But the, it was the, the first part, the the when it's just kind of naked, blah, 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 yeah, blah, is real tight, like real exciting, yeah, like wow, they nailed it. Once they actually get in darkness, imprisoning me, it starts to sort of fucking get loose. Well, you know, what I think it is is fucking uh, Fieldy and his. Is it Fieldy or Jingy? Which one? <laughs> Fieldy is the bass player. Yeah. Jingy's the tambourine player. It, it's his like quote unquote like classic bass tone. His bass tone is like this springy, very thumpy. Like, <laughs> no, it's not even thumpy. But it's like mu- muddy and it, so- it sounds like you have the treble knob turned up all the way in your amp. They're brand new strings, and all you're doing is fucking hitting it with your fist, like he's slapping in a way. His bass tone is I think always you just really actually f- perfectly described every corn record. The what? Every corn record you just perfectly described. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. This is his sound. Yeah. Like and so when they go into like the heavy parts and he starts slamming his bass, all I hear is just it's the most fucking annoying thing. Play the damn song. Do 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 do. He goes right. Watch it again, dude. It's fucking obnoxious. No, thank you. And it distracts from I think how good the drummer is. 
Well, I that's think, all you, I I think you'd be hitting on those kick drums. They're pretty sloppy Joe. At too. least that dude did his homework. He did. He does pretty much all the fills that are in the song one. I do think Jonathan Davis sounds good on the darkness. Man. Yeah, I think he sounds okay there. Lars says that on the sort of um, commercial break interview, he says it was the coolest shit ever, and he has so much respect for Corn because they're his peers. Well, you're also on camera, and Corn's in the same building, so you're going to say that. Well, I think also Lars was sucking up to the moment. I think Lars Corn was a big deal at that time. Sure, yeah. And I think that they were right to not show James. There's no footage of James during all this because I bet James is going, uh, "That sucked." Yeah, and you you messed up lyrics. And by the way, um, public service announcement: Corner, not Metallica's peers. Metallica's almost peerless. I mean, uh, I mean, would you consider people that influence them their peers? Like, is Metallica on peer level with Sabbath? I think nowadays, yes. Right, but I'm talking in terms of bands from Metallica's time. Like, uh, we've just really well, peers should, would be like Anthrax, Anthrax, Megadeth, um, sure, Big Slayer, yeah. right? Big Four. They're not peers with Metallica, in my opinion. Okay, uh, my personal opinion. Sure. You know what? Maybe they are peers. They're peers. <laughs> okay. I'm just thinking more about the bigger idea of peership. You just don't want Corn and Metallica to be connected, and you don't want you don't want Metallica they? to, no, I'm, to I'm validate asking, Korn's no, performance. No, 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 no. I'm willing to say Megadeth, and I'm willing to say the big four are peers. Yeah. with Metallica is Corn though. Do you think so? Are Corn their peers? Oh, you're just generally speaking in metal. Yeah. No, I don't consider Corn. Were they their peers, uh, though, at the height of their fame? I'm talking about corn, Is that what being their peers means? Maybe, or, I mean... I, I like, I would peers... consider Pantera, for example, who came on the scene, really, really what we know and love, Cowboys from Hell on, not sure. not pre, not metal not magic power, shit. Power metal or whatever it's called. Not, not that stupid shit, but Cowboys from Hell on. I would consider them peers of Metallica. Okay. Sepultura, peers. Yes. Tool, Peers, Allison Chains. I would almost peers. say Corn. Corn was like the next generation, right? They're like they're like the junior to the senior. Well, they're well, they're younger. Look, look at it this way: Did Anthrax play this thing? Did Megadeth play this thing? Did Sepultura play this thing? No. Right. The next generation did. Right. Of multiple genres: totally. metal, pop, punk, right. whatever. Uh, rap, hip-hop. rap, exactly. Bounce, Biatch. Bounce. <laughs> <laughs> Let's right. move on to this rando next uh, moment with Michelle Branch. All right, th- this gets my vote for the weirdest moment of the whole night. More than Lisa Marie? It is more weird because, first of all, Michelle Branch comes out, which, whatever, she, we know, we know, we have mutual friends with her. She's in I town almost, a lot. I almost auditioned for her. You almost yeah. got that gig. All right. Um, so she's cool in the gang, right? In my book, she's fine. What's weird is and she was she, huge in 03. What's weird is she comes out not to sing a song or talk about how Metallica has tacitly influenced her. She comes out to introduce troops. Right. Who then come out and say kind of weird stuff like Can you hear that? I'm, I'm pe- sorry, I'm, I'm urinating. I'm peeing. <laughs> urinating into Ethan's new drink. <laughs> but this dude comes out and he's like, music keeps us, music keeps us um, connected to what's going on at home. There's nothing like, and he even says something like, there's nothing like some good American rock and roll. And I'm watching this going, what the fuck is going on? It was just I, I this really... Wish, I almost wish that, that, that maybe uh, 
and no disrespect to these guys and these Marines and what they've done for our country and utmost re- utmost respect of for course. them. Of course, but but it seems maybe, real contrived, well, right? Maybe in the planning of this show, maybe uh, talk to some Marines that had just come home from overseas and find the dudes that are Metallica fans. But it didn't seem like that, though. It, no, that's what I'm saying. It didn't seem like that. So why not find those guys and have guys come out and be like and share their story of being gone and missing their families and it's really hard to like. You know, stay sane while you're over there, and music helps you through all this stuff, especially Metallica. I listened to Enter Sandman or Sabbath True or Blackened, and it I got totally me agree. This, you know, why not do that? Like, someone came back and was like, you know what? It got really fucked up out there, it got really dark. The music of Metallica pulled me through. Right, yeah. But instead, it's like, you know what? Keeps us going out there. American rock and roll. I'm a whole crowd trying to stand in USA. And then he goes, and, I, and for me, it's Metallica, you know, with songs like Fade to Black. It just seems so like he was reading the jingoistic and like scripted. Fade to Black. And it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. It doesn't even make any sense. I mean, I don't know if I'd call Metallica good old American rock and roll. I would not call them that. <laughs> I wouldn't call them no, that. I, no, I wouldn't. You know what I'd call that? Like Creedence Clearwater Revival or something. Who are fucking great, but, great, but, but they're not Metallica. And Metallica's not good, good old-fashioned rock and roll. Well, I've... So, in my various touring, I've done what's called a USO tour, which is through the Navy. Sure, yeah. Where... Um, and I did it through country bands, where we actually... I've been to uh, Africa, Bahrain, Issa, military bases, where we play for the troops. Yeah, that's great. And um, we, a lot of it is hanging out with them. Like, li- we live with them on their bases. And oh, shit. yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've never done one, but I've heard plenty of stories. It, they're really, like, sort of, like, spiritually rewarding... Um, yeah, very eye-opening. Cool cool experience. Very eye-opening. So I've actually talked with a lot of military people about, you know, we're there to entertain them and play music, and it's it's very humbling and cool and talk about the power of music. Watching this sort of parade did not feel like anything I've experienced. Yeah. It felt very much like, let's build in some sort of troops. Like a feel-good moment. I guess. You know what we like? Good old American rock and roll. Like fade to black. Like fade to Clark crack it black. Sorry, the teleprompter went out. <laughs> I'm like, dang, dude. And so that whole segment to me gets the vote for strangest moment of the whole thing. It, yeah, it was pretty strange. I, I, I think I think it was a missed opportunity. I think it could have been something really special I agree. and really cool. Well, if you're going to bring them out, all right, let's highlight someone that's a fucking diehard. Which Who there, also there happens are, to have served our country. There are thousands of fucking diehards yeah, in the military. of course. Dude, are you kidding me? Our friend me? Sarah Sobek is military. Yeah, yeah. Fucking get her ass out there. Yeah, and she, why was she'll, it so- she'll do us all proud. Exactly, yes. All right, so we're moving on. Chapter four, off to Never Neverland. This is where they sort of talk about how the Black Album just skyrocketed them. You know, like... Did it? <laughs> mm. Fake news. Uh... The Black Album really, it changed everything. Yeah. I mean, if, if the, let's say Justice was their last record, they were still a pretty massive metal band. Well, they, yeah, Grammy nominated. Yeah. Playing arenas, headlining arenas. Yes. All right. Yes. And already, it already made, I would, I would argue, be maybe a legendary mark. Let's say they never made a record after Justice. Yeah. Already legendary. Yes. But Black Album is sort of the I mean, huge, huge turning point. Huge turning point. I mean, people that don't like Metallica know a song off that record. Yeah. Like the other day, totally. me, me and my wife were running some errands, and um, 
I can't remember what what happened. Uh, oh, we were, I think we were talking about uh, cover songs, and I mentioned something in one of our episodes where we talked about them you know, doing misfit songs. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Metallica did misfit songs," and I played her "Die Die My Darling." I was like, "You know this song, right? The misfit song." She's like, "Yeah." She's like, oh, "I just didn't realize." She's like, "I've heard this version. I didn't realize it was Metallica." Mm. And I got my wife to admit the other day. She goes, "I don't hate Metallica." I like. She goes. I, I think I, I know mostly like the singles, and I'm like, yeah. th- and I was like, that's good enough for me. So for literally 20 minutes on the freeway, we listened to "Die Die My Darling," "The Memory Remains," oh. "Fuel," hell yeah, and I think "The Unforgiven." It's just one black album track. And then, well, I was I was trying to continue. <laughs> She's like, all right. And then at one point, she goes, "Okay, we've had enough. We did it. That's enough. Yeah, yeah we're done." I've had a really similar thing with my wife, but for me, it was Black Album. It was um, Nothing Else Matters, which my wife was like, not only do I know it, but I like it. Yeah. I'm like, hell yeah, all right. Which, you know, like, you know, we are like, oh, you like that? I can trace a threat. Let me play you Lumen's lyric. Let me play you Mama, you know, Mama Said. Yeah, they're not in for that. Play you Sanitarium. Um, And then we did Inner Sandman. My wife's like, I like this, you know? Like, I know, first of all, I know Inner Sandman, and I like it. Who doesn't? But that just speaks to the power of it, because my wife could not give a fuck about Metallica. Same, yeah. But she's willing to be like, oh, I, A, I know that song, B, I like it. Yeah. That's the power of the fucking Black Album, dude. Exactly. People that aren't fans know and like these songs. It just catapulted them <clears throat> into the fucking stratosphere. Yep. No doubt about it. And it's interesting to hear them talk about it. Um, I like this thing that James says about how, he's like, look, I don't know, maybe, maybe we went to mainstream Maybe mainstream came to us. Yeah. He's like, I think it's actually somewhere in the middle, which I think is true. I think it's too easy to say that they sold out. I think it's, it's too way easy. too easy. It's, yeah. And it's also too easy to say that Metallica forced the mainstream to their knees before Metallica. No. No, no. They were still making the record they wanted to make. Right. If the mainstream was down for it, great. If not, Metallica would have carried on and still... Con- you know. I think the mainstream couldn't ignore what they were doing grassroots. Definitely. Couldn't, couldn't ignore it. No way. So just boundaries... You know what? Let's not even call them boundaries. They're frontiers. Frontiers, frontiers were yeah. moving in both directions, right? Um, they talk about how nothing else matters. Oh, I, I did like this. James talks about how nothing else matters is a road song Yeah, that he wrote... On a four track, like a Tascam four track oh, yeah. in hotel rooms about being in a relationship on the road, which is real difficult. I'll bet we're going to hear those four track demos on the anniversary box oh, of the Black my Album. God, I haven't even thought about that. For sure, right? They that have would be to include amazing. that stuff. The original demo of Nothing Else Matters. I just feel like it would have already surfaced if it existed. I don't know. I mean, because the demos of Black Album are out, the five tunes that they did right. are out. But I mean, those kind of demos, like James's four track demos from a hotel room, you know, he probably kept to himself. And then once that record blew up, it was like, all right, let's hang on to this stuff for a later yeah. day. Who knows? I'm, I'm keeping these are for me. Those are my demos. I recorded in hotel rooms. All right, my favorite moment, one of my favorite moments of the whole thing, Jim Brewer. Uh, it's amazing, which you heard at the top of the show. But let's let's check it out. Let's, let's check out a little bit more. We'll, we'll play a little bit more of the the. Uh, we'll we'll pick up James. where we left off from the intro. Yeah, here you go. And yet Lars, if you didn't believe this band was going to kick ass, little Lars would come out with a total different approach. What's up there, dudes? (laughs) 
just want to tell you all that we're going to kick your testicles so hard tonight. They're going to be dangling out your nostril, huh? Huh? Ain't that right, James? Yeah! Now they got a new world ahead of them. They got children. Half these guys have kids running around. And I'm sure it's going to change the writing of this band. But I'm sure it's never going to change their attitude and the way they perform. So this is for Metallica's new future of children. This is Metallica performing if you're happy and you know it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Yeah! Are you happy? Show me. You're happy and you know it. Yeah! Ooh! Do you really wanna show it? Are you happy? Show me! Clap your hands! I don't sound like that, do I? <laughs> yeah! I guess I do. Dude, his, his, <laughs> My gosh. His if you're happy and you know it. It's when he's talking about Metallica having kids and stuff yeah. and they get a little older and, you know, the lyrics change. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and at one point, um, doesn't he, does he say, are you alive? Oh yeah. He does some kind of like Jamesism. Oh dude. It, I want to hear it or something. It's so good. He does kind of a Jamesism. Yeah, like, I don't know if it's, are you alive? Yeah. It's not, are you alive? I know that we all just heard it in air quotes. Air quotes. <laughs> The, the one of the coolest things though at the end that you obviously heard in the clip is when uh, it's James again in the commercial break type thing where he's like I don't sound like that do I and then James actually does James goes yeah he does a James Hetfield and then he goes I do sound like that <laughs> yeah I do <laughs> that was great alright then we get Jillian Barberi who I had to look up and Ian Robinson who I had to look up and I wrote awful both of them <laughs> he says Sabbath created metal Metallica perfected it they bring a bunch, bunch of fans on stage. Oh, this is where they bring a bunch of fans on stage, and they do the whole, what's one word to sum up your love for Metallica? And we, Passion, sinful, aggression, inspirational, rebellion, orgasmic, energetic, medicine, gods. Lane Staley looking dude. That dude what, who looks like Lane Staley goes, yeah. gods. Gods. Vicious, out of control. Um, out of control, by the way, three words. Yeah. I'm not, not a linguist. I'm not a scientist. True, but Sa- if true. I was if I was a mathematician, true. I might say that's three words. It's like when people um, put up a picture on Instagram and their caption is, "I have there are no words to describe how beautiful and amazing this was." <laughs> right. You just, you just use it. words to describe it. You right. fucking idiot. Right. There are no words to describe how much. I adore Clint Wells as the co-host of this podcast. Go on. Ah, uh, oh, gosh, just thoughtful, um, caring. Oh shit! I just use words. These are my favorite non-words I've ever heard. There are literally no words to describe how much I love you and care. like it's. Uh, it's a cool idea, but a little awkward um, for them all to name it. I yeah. mean, what? They kind of name all the words you would name. Do you have a? Do you have a word? What? If I put you on the spot and said what, one word, being honest here, truthful, what's what's one word you would say? One word. Describe Metallica? I don't know. Or what they mean to you or something. I don't know. This is kind of tough. 
I would say, I wouldn't say sinful. I definitely would not say sinful maybe, or aggression. Maybe orgasmic. I wouldn't even say that. Um, I've never come listening to Metallica. Me- the one that I resonate with that was already said is medicine. Medicine, that's huge. Although that's not even the whole story. I mean, it's not all that. Right. It's not all like, oh, help me, I'm sad. It's like a lot of it's joy and yeah. passion and fun. Would you count life-changing as one word if there was a hyphen in there? Yeah. <laughs> I would. Okay. That's what you're going with. I don't. I, I'm trying to think of a, a one word that would that would be the same as life changing. Um, uh, if effectual, yeah, or um, efficacious. Sure, I would go with power. Power. That's a good one. Just yeah. or powerful. Yeah, powerful. Because that that can stretch into all these, right? Like, if, yeah, p- power could be anger, uh, joy, inspiration, passion, inspiration, medicine. Godlike, out or, of control. Out. <laughs> hey, if you put hyphens between all those, it's one word. There I guess. you go. It was an interesting idea. I thought it was cool. Yeah. All right, then we get all right. Limp Biscuit does Sanitarium. Let's play the clip and then talk about it. All right. Okay, um, Limp Bizkit. What do you think? You know what? It's honestly one of the better performances. I think so. I I think that they took the song, slightly made it their own. I, I agree. Fred uh, Fred Durson and the boys, um, between the first you know two sections of the verse, welcome to a time stand still, no one lives, no one will. There's no pause in between. They make it kind of one yeah, verse. Yeah, they sort of, they sort of kinda, edit it. I kind of dig that. I do too. It um, works. It felt less of a chopped up version or uh, as opposed to their version of, let's just kind of make this a Limp biscuit sounding version of Sanitarium. It's the only performance of the night that I think where they... They put in the time. Them at that moment, that band, that huge, they made it sound like them. Yeah, they did, And yeah. it sounded good. You can, you can tell they did their homework and they put in the time slash made it their own. They were tight. They, I, I thought... Th- all their tones all around, they sounded the hugest. The band sounded good. Now, Avril Lavigne gets my vote for best performance just because I like 
I like her records. I like her. Sure, yeah. I do not. I do not like Limp Bizkit. I can say that with, with authority. Nookie, that's a fun song. Don't I? I do. Rollin, not like it. don't like it. I do not like to, them. To me, Limp Bizkit is like. I like Limp Bizkit songs the same way I like Poison songs. If I hear them, they're just fun. Yeah, I'm not. I don't think deep about them. I don't look into the. I, I, they don't affect me in, in a personal way. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm if I'm at a bar and all of a sudden like, keep rolling, and that's, rolling, rolling, and I'll that's look at way, my buddy and be like, right. this is kind of. And fun. that's the way to enjoy music. Same and thing it, with like nothing but a good time by Poison. Is it a thought provoking, intellectual song? No, it's about partying. So is Roland, or what? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. That's I'm not how, judging it. I that's how I think of those. Yeah, songs. yeah. I don't like either. I don't like anything you've any of the songs you've just mentioned. I, Poison I, again, or otherwise. I don't like them, but when they come on, I like them for a moment. Dude, we talked about the Soundwave Festival in Australia before we started recording mm-hmm. this episode. Um, Limp Bizkit was on that, and guess what? I went and watched them every day. And you know what? They were fucking tight. A fun show, right? A fun show, super tight, and Wes Borland had one of the hugest guitar tones I've ever heard in person. Well, one of the things that you can see in this performance that I think is true about them is like they can command an audience. Yes, um, Fred Durst has this whole thing where he's like, you know, we're doing a Metallica tribute show. Everyone needs to stand up. He gets everyone standing up. He brings everyone in. They do that yeah. whole bridge. He gets everyone real, real amped up. It's oh, pretty yeah. cool. Oh yeah. Even the Metallica guys stand up. Yep. Kirk and Lars, or uh, uh, yeah, Kirk and Lars, um, willingly. I would imagine James and Robert a little more hesitantly. Like, hey, like, fuck uh, everyone. Hey guys, si- guess stand up a little bit. Everyone's standing up, but but us. Um, I think it's cool. Um, I do think it was funny the dude like scratching records in the back. Yeah, it's like yeah. All right, that dude is Santa. That dude's getting away with fucking murder. That he's getting paid. He's getting paid to scratch. Presumably a the same. Yeah, presumably. Um. Then we get Wes Scantlin, Scantlin from Puddle of Mud, okay. one of the worst bands. Moving on, one of the worst bands and worst band names of all time. I don't. I love the way you look at me. I love the way you smack my ass. That's a line in the song that he sings multiple times. Was oh, that the? I like the way you smack my ass. Or yeah. All the dirty things you do when I have control of you. That band sucks. Totally. Sorry, Sorry totally Puddle of Mud fans. Shitty. It's not good. All right. Uh, who even knows why he's there? So they do the chapter five, the last chapter, the four horsemen. And this is sort of their, um, we put it all back together after everything. Jason left. Here's the story of the band. Kill them all through the lightning and puppets and justice. The black album. Yeah. Now here we are. It's just interesting to see, like, that's the record they're hyping, right? So they're like, James even says, like, we're, we're so in love with this record. It's crazy. Here's what's crazy to me. All this is happening. They're naming Metallica icons. Everyone that gets on stage is just praising Metallica, talking about their career, their music, their records, how great they are, and they're still at it, and they're still fucking strong as ever. And all these people in this building have no idea what record is about to come out. They don't even know. They don't know. It's so true. Other than other than them playing frantic. At it's, the like end. The, it's like the it's like the it's like it's like the dog on its way to be put down. Yeah, it's who's like, oh, like, we're totally going to the dog Who's park. like licking the owner's face on the way there. Oh, yeah, we're, we're right? about to have the best day ever. Is that too dramatic an image? I mean, I'm a dog it, lover and owner, and no, I think that's an accurate image. We just... We're talking about St. Angry. Because here. you know what? Like, we have some fans that are so young, they weren't there. Even Tom Quee was, is younger and doesn't... Sure. He wasn't quite on the ride. Tom Quee's like 16, right? <laughs> no, he's like in his like mid to late 20s. Okay, yeah. So, so, I mean, let's say he's 25. I mean, he was 10 when this aired. So... 
I was 40. Even you, you came online in 88, 89, 89. me 91. So when leading up to this, I mean, we're going to get to their performance in a second, but yeah, we had no idea what was coming. Nobody did. For, for, For me, Black Album, 10 out of 10. Load, 10 out of fucking 10. Reload, for me, 10 out of 10. Garage Inc., 10 out of 10. S&M, 15 out of 10. <laughs> um, I disappear, no problem. Everything's great. So for me, we're coming on 10 years, for me, for them, crushing. 10 of 10. 10 years of 10s. 10s of 10s. And one 10 fi- times. And one 10 times 10 is 10, 10 hundred. We know that. It's 10 hundred, yeah. <laughs> we know that. So for me, it was just, I know for a lot of people, the 90s were really strange. But for me, that was just... 100% Metallica. Yeah, totally. And we did not know. It was like a lamb to the fucking slaughter. Yeah. And, and especially watching, the, even today when I was like, uh, or this evening before you came over, and I was kind of watching some highlights of the show. The whole time when people were talking about, you know, Metallica's legacy and how great they are and how, you know, and there's no signs of stopping and blah, blah, blah. I, I kept thinking, oh my God, like in a few short months, St. Anger's going to come out and you're all going to be real fucking bummed. Well, let's just go ahead and talk about it. So Sean Penn then comes out and introduces the band. They do a medley. Yeah. They do Hit the Lights. Enter uh, Sandman. Sandman. What, uh, what? Uh, blackened. Blackened. Creep. They do Creeping Death Bridge into the third verse. And James kind of goes out in the crowd, which is cool. Well, he goes out there as they're doing the, the die. die. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, like they do... Uh, currently or at least at stadium shows all of a sudden there's a mic out there and he's in the crowd singing um how did this mic get here what an amazing coincidence wait a second there's a mic here wait hey I guys can... hey lars kirk robert i'm just gonna finish the song out here yeah is that cool with you guys band meeting um battery is pretty slop oh, slop town well well lars is lars is okay for a lot of it but it's like it's like the um He's just way too fast, and he's he's skipping he's ahead to fucking the next up. Part. The, he's fucking up the the the, the fucking backbeat. The There's one drum. point where I was watching it where I I, I, I could have been re- uh, reading it wrong, but at one point James is playing is right before they hit the chorus, and he looks back. A battery, a battery. Yeah, so, I did think I saw the same thing, and I thought you know when he goes out in the crowd like that, I know they're on in ears, but you know when you get further from a band, you lose that you lose the air pushing on stage. Sure, yeah. And I thought that might have been him. But you know you're right. That's him hearing that Lars is fucking up. The, yeah, the, that the, was his way of being like, "You're fucking." No, up. this was straight. I mean, like, hit the lights sounded great. Inner Sandman sounded great. Uh, it does get weird Blackens, around Blacken. Yeah, Blacken's, which by the way, one of the hardest songs to play, drums yes. and guitar. But Blacken gets weird. Creeps fine, but then Battery, another fucking thrash barn burner, gets sloppy Joe. It's sloppy Joe in the kick drum department. I do love that. Um, other than them closing the show with Frantic. Um, I love that when they come out and play a medley, it's all the early stuff other than Sandman. I mean, it's, the, it's up through 91, but it's still it's 82 it's like to 91 something from every, yeah, the first, the first five. Well, it's, it's hit the lights, creep, creeping death, battery. Yep. There's no, nothing from justice. Yeah, Blackened. Oh, Black, of course. Oh, yeah. Good God. Blackened right. wasn't on Justice. Well, it was on the S&M 7. <laughs> no, you're right. Okay, you're right. So, and then Sandman. So, they and did Sandman, everything. Yeah. No load, reload. No load, reload. Yeah. Thank God Avril did fuel, fucking holding it down. Holding it down, man. I imagine all these artists probably had a list of songs to choose from. So, there's no repeats. Hey, Metallica's playing this. You can't, you can't play. You know, hey, sorry, Avril. I, you, you know can't what? do Blackened. I would have thought that. This is going to get a little deep for this, but... You and I were talking about so the the one they did after Metallica, which was the last one that they did, was the Cure. Yeah, 
a lot of the songs they did on that one are super duper deep cuts. Right. So when I was looking at that today, I actually looked at it today like you, and I yeah. thought, I wonder if these artists, because I'm a big Cure fan, and if I was somehow tapped to do that, yeah. kind of like I did on our Metallica covers EP, right. I would have chosen deep cuts. But yeah. I, So I wonder, but for a band like Metallica, it's like, maybe they did say like, all right, you're not going to do, you, we need you to do hits. and. But I mean... It's such a weird. Like, what turn. if Avril Lavigne had done like Thorn Within or something? That's not going to work. Yeah, probably not. But I mean, Metallica's the kind of band that like the word hit song. Yeah, they have hit songs, but there's also like like the song Master of Puppets wasn't quote unquote a hit. But it's like in Metallica world, it's a fucking hit. It's one of their barn burners, of course. It's, it's so is Battery, so is Blackened. You know, um, so and so I, is Sanitarium. All the ones right, they all so, did. I think for all these artists doing all these songs, like even if you know they had a list of, tw- like what if what if Corn did Dire's Eve instead of One? That's not going to work. I mean, I mean it'd be bitching, or would it? Well, I they could. Know. There's no way. I mean, Lars can't even play it live. They, there's no way they could do it. Right. Well, I mean, they did it in where was that Greece? I think who a couple years ago Metallica. Well, yeah, but Lars didn't play that double kick pat. No, I not mean. like the record. No, no, he wasn't. Like Which, are, by the way, I don't blame him. <laughs> I, I I'm not want, faulting him. I'm just saying. <laughs> but you know what's you know what's interesting about that is when Metallica doesn't do it right, I have nothing but forgiveness. They created it, no problem. They created. But if you're gonna it, yeah. fucking cover it, you better fucking nail it, dude. Uh, if you want to get, uh, don't you feel that way? Oh yeah. Like if you're gonna cover it, you fucking nail it. Absolutely. And guess what? All these artists. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, hit, hit that thing, dude. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have this hit thing. If, no, don't even explain it. Okay. This is not an edit. No, this this, this is, is not real an insert. Time. Hi, my name is Rocky Balboa, the Italian style. So I have this thing that uh, my buddy John Schneck, who is in Reliant K with me, my old band, uh, it's called Rocky in Your Pocket. I think you got it at Spencer Gifts. It looks like a Spencer Gifts. It's item. totally a Spencer's yeah. Gifts thing. So yeah. I have it's a keychain thing, and this is way too big for my keychain. It's like a fucking kidney. <laughs> um, there's six buttons on it with little quotes from Rocky movies. And I've never changed the batteries, and I've, it's been, I would say, at least six, maybe seven years since I've had this thing. Want to hear some more? Oh, I speak for all of our listeners when I say yes. Nobody owes nobody nothing. You owe yourself. Amen, Rocky. He's so right. He is. I'm not as dumb as you think I am. Uh, Debatable. I don't know. In Rocky 2, when he tries to do some commercials, you you see it there. You think this smells like a man? (laughs) During a cologne commercial. That wasn't the Rocky Kidney, by the way. No, that was Ethan Ethan in your pocket. <laughs> I wish they would... That, that's not a great one for this thing. Well, there's no one from Rocky Five, which I love the sue me for what. Well, this is all... I'm pretty sure... This is all Rocky... One, maybe. Because I love in Let's Rocky... F- oh, that's Rocky One. I'm not as dumb as you think yeah, I am. Yeah, Rocky One. Hey, this is all Rocky One. A lot so, of good Rockies that they're leaving out. Well, maybe there's a Rocky in your pocket, two, three, four, five. They see they'll find a way to monetize anything. See, if I was in charge, can I get a can I get a greatest hits Rocky in your pocket? Touch me and I'll sue. Sue me for what? Uh, what's the line? Um, uh, anytime, anywhere. He's like, no, no, no. Tommy Gunn only fights in the ring, and then Rocky goes, "My ring's outside." Hell yeah, that's such a good line. He's so great at because you know. He has two great lines in First Blood. 
which is by for you kids out there, that's Rambo. Now oh, I'm yeah. not talking. I'm talking about the first Rambo. Rambo. When he goes not first blood part two, just Rambo. Just well, it's called first blood. It's great. Yeah. And uh, the first great line is when he goes, uh, "You want a war? I'll give you a war you'll never forget." Mm-hmm. Oh, he goes, "I'll give you a war you won't believe." It's great because local law enforcement. He's a Vietnam vet trying to make his way. Local law enforcement. They're shitting on Vietnam vets. They try to run him out of town. He's like, fuck it. They force him in the woods, and he's like, fuck it. I'll kill all of you. Yeah. So he's like, you want to war, give you war, you never believe. And the other one is when he's killed a few of them because they're trying to kill him. Sure. They're like, turn yourself in, John. He's John Rambo. Yeah. You can end this now. And he yells, you drew first blood. Ah, oh, so good. Because he, he's basically saying, I didn't want this. You yeah. brought this. You started fu- it. You brought this war to me, yeah. and I'm gonna fucking finish it. Right. You drew first blood. Much like MTV Icon, all these bands brought these shitty cover versions to Metallica, and then they killed them all. And they killed them all, and then <laughs> really the lightning. <laughs> Sam Quentin. <laughs> um, all right. Are we? So, did we do it? We did it. Um, the last, you know, one of the last things we should say, you know, when when they're. Uh, Doing their performance, they finish the medley before they go into frantic. James talks, you know, briefly. We can we can play a clip from it. Let's hear that. Yeah, it's James talking at the end of the. Of the he talks about them being an icon, but they're not done yet. Let's hear it. It's cool. Yeah. Should we hear it? Let's hear it. Ooh, what does Rocky say? Um, I don't Let's know. Ask Rocky. Do you, hey, Rocky, do you want do you want to hear this? Hi, my name is Rocky. <laughs> that's a yes. <laughs> oh, that's definitely a yes. That's a yes. Here Let's you hear go. it. This feels unbelievable. We'd like to thank everyone who along this ride has made Metallica the strong force that it is. Uh, including our crew, our families, our friends, our fans. Uh, everyone we've hooked up with the greatest people. We want to pay homage to the people who are here playing Metallica songs tonight. Showing their respect for us. We take that right to our hearts. Thank you very much. And uh... Here's to the future of Metallica. You know, <laughs> we're an icon, but we sure ain't done yet. Man, I love James Hetfield. I, what can I say? I love him. I mean, he will always be my favorite member of Metallica. Always. When he came back on Instagram, I was just like, oh, Papa Head is back. I was so you know what like today he posted a photo of like all the metal he wears like his pocket oh he, I love it like his watch his and his like yeah, his, his, his Catholic necklace, like, necklace love thing it. love it the Celtic cross ring I kind of have a feeling his kids talked him into getting back on Instagram like dad maybe you so post any photos maybe so which is cool being a dad totally cool. I think that's cool yeah and he probably said hey children I'm Rocky Balboa <laughs> you know what he said he was like kids yeah, listen, what did he say when, when I'm on the road, I'll post photos. But when I'm home, nobody owes nobody nothing. You owe yourself. It's <laughs> kind of true, actually. He probably literally did say that. Wis- wisdom from Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> um, what a time capsule it is to see this whole thing. It really is. Um, the last thing you see during the, while the credits are rolling is it's them frantic. playing, f- debuting frantic, and it actually sounds kind I, of badass. You know, I, can I venture to say why? Because you only see thirty seconds. <laughs> Well, there's that. 
It does sound good though. You have the real snare, real snare. You have you have good guitars. You good never really you don't, you don't hear any singing. Like I think, and I remember I, the one I watched the, the video I watched uh, to recap it today. You're back at my wasted days. Oh back. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, it the sounds one, great. The one I saw. Oh yeah, hey, vocally through from hit the lights to frantic, he sounds good. Yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't see that in my recap video. Yeah, but. How far? But it's not the whole song, right? It's not the whole song, but you do hear vocals, yeah. But it, I mean, it, it's having listened to San Anger so many times, especially when I do the episode, hearing this live version, and nobody in that room has heard this song. I remember being stoked to see it, and it was like, oh my god, this sounds fucking cool. And the crowd was it was fucking headbanging and going, yeah. you know. I remember at the time not knowing what was coming down the pike, like yeah. you descri- described. And being like, okay, okay. If, the, if that was your first intro to what would become St. Anger, you might be like, dude, their next record's going to be awesome. Well, here's what, this here's is what, heavy. Yeah, you're doing this guy that is it. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Kind of kind of bobbing your head. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. I'm down. It just keeps getting higher and higher. Uh, okay. You might sit back and go. When do I fight? <laughs> By the way, that one's really distorted. He said, when do I fight again? When do I fight again? Fran tick, 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 Rocky's just flushing it out. Dude, you live it or lie it in the ring, dude. <laughs> Seriously. How sweet are you, Clint? Uh, all right. That is the MTV Icon episode. I hope you liked it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to leave you with. Go leave the iTunes review. We're going to give out 10 free downloads of our amazing, beautiful, masterpiece reimagining of Metallica songs. Cover our World Black in Volume 1. It's that easy. If you don't want to deal with the rigmarole of a contest, you can go to Patreon and pledge five bucks or more and get it. Now, what we're going to leave you with here is the debut track, the single, if you will, Oof. from the record "Howl Like a Wolf" and "A Witch Will Open the Door." <laughs> I take it serious. I really do. If you want, we're about to play the Lunar Satan song. If you want to listen to it, you can stream it on on uh, SoundCloud. Yeah. For free, as many times as you want. I don't recommend doing that. If you want to, in a culture that no longer cares about the value of music, if you want to go donate a dollar a month, which, by the way, is $12 for the entire year, to our Patreon. That's so much money. You will get a free download of We Ride the Skies and any other Luton Sa- Lunar Satan song. Luton Satan. Gluten Satan. Gluten Satan. Gluten Satan, the new 2018 version. Gluten-free Satan. Clint's Just Clint's when you gonna, want your Satan with a little less gluten. Clint's going to write uh, Lunar Satan songs. I might start a project called Vegan Satan. Oh, my God. It's like Satan, but uh, without, without all the, pro- without all the <laughs> harming of animals in it. Or maybe I write you, write... you write Lunar Satan songs. Maybe I write songs about... Uh, like underwater Jesus or something like underwater Jesus, something like that, with the with the um, the Christ gills, maybe the Christ gills. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what Clint said, go to Patreon. If you donate a buck, you get to, you get to download the Lunar Satan. Debut. You get not only the Lunar Satan song "Ride the Sky," we ride the skies. We're about to play. You get any other Lu- Lunar Satan song. I want to call it "Gluten Satan" so bad uh, that we're going to put out until summer. Um, but for now, here's "We Ride the Skies." Go check it out. Thanks for listening. We love all of you. Always. And with that, we'll just go ahead and say peace. Adios. Let's get out of here.
Delete that. <laughs> 